beautiful people of the internet, welcome to the BRB AFK podcast. I am your humble producer, uh, Boston. Joining us in the Zencaster studios is the time being Scott. Somebody stop me. <laughs> I wish we could. We've been trying, oh. trying so hard. Uh, also joining us is our illustrious host, oh. Mr. Ryan Shipley. Thank you, thank you. And also, good pick by playing uh, Jimmy Olsen's Blues by the Spin Doctors. Ooh. Aww. That's a really good uh, pick for who our guest is tonight. Jimmy Olsen himself. Jimmy Olsen nice. himself. Yep. T- truly, truly one of my favorite songs by the Spin Doctors. One of my favorite songs uh, in general. Isn't it such a good song? But uh, to, to make that connection real quick, uh, yes, our guest tonight on the podcast is uh, Bill Langford, uh, owner of the legendary Comics Exchange off Chapman Highway. Hello, World Wide Web. Welcome, Bill. Welcome. I'm glad so, to be here. a quick question. Yeah. Um, up top. We're glad to have you. Um, do you consider yourself an owner or a proprietor? Well, it depends on who I'm talking to. It, What's the difference? So if it's if it's my mom, I like to say proprietor because it sounds more official. Okay. okay. You know, owner is kind of a, a catch-all term, but mm-hmm. proprietor sounds like maybe you went to school possibly. You know, like maybe okay. you took a, maybe you yeah. took a business class or there was some uh, college involved. So. <laughs> so it's a bit more fancy. Can you get a, you get a degree in proprietor? Hmm. It's a it was a it was a two year degree through DeVry Institute. <laughs> my, Phoenix Phoenix Institute uh, Phoenix College. My favorite is I don't know what the the college was, but there used to be one off Broadway over where the um, Pratt's Country Market was. I think it was a tech school, and it had a playground. <laughs> it was. I think That's it was great. ITT, and uh, I think I maybe they taken ITT. over. They taken over an elementary school, and now they do yeah. rest, now they do wrestling shows out of it. I like how you said they took over like elementary. Like one day they just went in there and started shoving kids out. Well, you don't have to do that. You you turn off their electrical grid. You know you have all the IT guys there. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's fair, right? Yes. You should know you're an IT guy now. Oh yeah, uh, that's something I did earlier. Is I I told Bill push a button and it worked. Yeah, and it worked. So and now I'm on the World Wide Web at home. If you need IT work, Ryan's your guy. Okay. What do you awesome. charge, Ryan, to, for home visits? Um, I charge as much as I can get. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. What about a couple of Coke Zeros? Will that, that do it? I want more than that. I mean, Coke Zero <laughs> is a part of it, sure, but it's going to need more. Right. Um, right. We, were, we were talking about the Spin Doctors begin the show, and I think they're very underrated as a band. Mm. Yes. Yes, they are. Yeah. I, I think... Um, Granted, one album and then things kind of fell apart for the Spin Doctors. A great album, though. It's a good album, though, right? Yeah, really good. Like for that, because it was like 91, 92, right, is when the Spin Doctors were introduced to the world. That sounds right. Also, I can't remember the exact years. That sounds right. Okay. I know. Uh, I'm going uh, to look that up, but yeah, it sounds about right. And so Spin Doctors may have just had a little bit of, of a rundown because they ended up uh, coming out right when, um, you know, the Seattle... Uh, music was starting up. Mm, oh yeah, Seattle Grunge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, the cool people were listening to Nirvana, the, the Nirvanas, and the Sound Gardens, mm-hmm. and didn't have time for uh, Two Princes and uh, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. Which well, sad. was John Popper so in the Spin Doctors? What's uh, that? Was John Popper mm-hmm. in the Spin Doctors? He's Blue Travelers. Uh, well, I I think 
I know that they the Blues Travelers and Spin Doctors have worked together a lot. What really? Well, the only reason uh, I ask is because yeah. when I when John. I wiki when I wiki Spin Doctors, it, it pulled up past members mm-hmm. John Popper. Whoa! I, I didn't realize he had been a past member of the Spin Doctors, but that might have been in there. I wonder if they if he was like near the beginning, and then they were like, you know what, we can't, we can't do all this harmonica <laughs> stuff in our songs. <laughs> you got to go, man. They were the trucking company uh, from 1988 until John Popper left. Oh, yeah, that's what I changed. That's, that's what I tuned out. Uh, then they changed to the uh, Spin Doctors and released uh, the Two Princes. Okay, and that was like all off that one album, right? Pocket full of kryptonite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of them, um, most of the singles were off that off that album. Yeah, yeah, because their follow up album um, had. Uh, Cupid's Arrow or Cupid's Bow or something like that was the only kind of uh, hit off that. Oh, You Let Your Heart Go Too Fast was the only kind of um, hit yeah. off that album. Then the Spin Doctors faded into obscurity, which is sad because those three songs from the first album are good songs. Well, yeah. my Great. first Google result is Spin Doctors, whatever happened to the band behind the two-hit wonder. <laughs> Should have been three hits. Jimmy Olsen's so, Blues. It just depends on you the know? definition of hit. It's okay, Ryan. It was just we were the only ones who liked Jimmy Olsen blues. We were, and you know what? Hopefully, there's going to be some kid out there, right, who listens to this podcast that's going to listen to the beginning of this podcast and hear that song and go, "That's the kind of music I want to make." And then he's going to be the next, yeah, I don't know, Olivia mm-hmm. Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. That's a big person right now, right? Be the next Nate wants to battle. Here's one thing that's fun between you that you Boston and Bill have in common. Oh. You both listen to the most obscure music I've ever heard. Fuck like, yes. I have been in both your cars many times. And the chances of me actually knowing the song that's played is usually <laughs> about 20%. Oh, well, well that's just because you're not up on your Britney Spears. I, uh, it's not that. Um, free Britney. No, free Britney for sure. That's so crazy. Um, now, if I'm writing with Scott, I'm going to know pretty much every song. Oh, yeah. Because he's, he's got that playlist, and we pick music from it. We have an awesome game, too, when we get our playlist going. Yeah, you, you listen to a song you want, and you play it. And you skip it if you don't like it. Yeah, then um, you pass it to the next person, and they get their chance as well. But no, when I'm in well, Bill's, uh, one of Bill's fancy rides, I don't know what's, <laughs> I don't know what's playing. Are you talking about the memo, Bill? Yeah. I don't know any of your songs, man. You have some obscure stuff. But I think your kids really kind of get into your music too don't they yeah i mean um for the first few years they thought daddy's music taste sucked mm-hmm. and i said <laughs> I, and i told him i said listen here you know when you get older you're gonna realize daddy listens to the cool stuff and uh then you know they started hearing a couple of the songs on commercials okay. uh then they heard uh a cover of smells like teen spirit you know they'd heard my car a thousand times Nice. Okay. And uh, now, um, you know, Daddy's the tastemaker in the car. Nice. Okay. Oh All yeah, right. I, I'm the DJ. So you get full control over the radio, like hundred percent. Zero percent. The deal is whoever's driving controls the uh, the stereo. Okay. So when she, when your wife is driving, Correct. What's the music go to? Well, she's a. Uh, she's, see, I like to play playlists like you in Boston okay. and Scott. Uh, yeah, my wife's more of a radio kind of fly Ooh. by the seat of her pants. Okay, and I can't take the commercials. I can't take the no. things for long haul yeah. trucking. I can't take the things for no. 
yeah, um, selling gold and silver. I'm saying, yeah. Bill, I'm the same way with like, you know, Netflix has spoiled me on shows. Yes. Like, I, mm-hmm. I can't like not binge watch something. So I'm, I'm the same way with that as I am with like, I can't do radio anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And you probably just can't deal with any commercials on TV either. Uh, it's hard. But the, the hard part for me is watching Hulu because I still have to deal with about, you know, a minute. A minute and a half worth of commercials. Oh, you're 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 you do the cheap Hulu. I know. I need to pay. I need to upgrade because that's that's killing me. Well, we have like one of people that work for Hulu coming on the show in August. Maybe she can Ooh, hook you up. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> nice Hulu. Um, but you need to just pay the extra four or five dollars a month and get and treat yourself to good Hulu. I should, but also I don't really use Hulu a whole lot because I do have a okay a kind of fire stick. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> if it wasn't for that, I probably Man, would. Last episode, you talked about smoking weed, and now you're talking about pirating. You're becoming well, the bad boy that. of our podcast. I said I had a fire stick, Ryan. You're 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 the bad boy of our podcast. I'm I'm picturing you right now with a with a leather jacket on. You got the uh, you got the uh, the smokes in your uh-huh. like you got your shirt rolled up for some reason while you're also wearing your leather jacket and you have the cigarette. I'm painting a picture and you got the, the I'm, uh, I'm putting baby in a corner you hold on yards yeah <laughs> no, I didn't say no, pirating right I just said I had a pirate. that's all I said yeah nobody that's- puts baby dinosaur in the corner exactly <laughs> That's a show that I wish would come back. Like people need to recapture that show, the baby, the dinosaurs. Oh, that was such a great show. I wonder. I wonder how they would uh, how to approach that now because they. Yeah. Well, the I show mean, was really progressive for its time. I mean, it would have yeah. like a lot of like um, big issues that they would deal with. Mm-hmm. What was that one from Netflix that came back? Um, one day at a time. Oh uh, yeah, one. I think it's one day. What was the Valerie was it the, Bern- burned in the, It was a sitcom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was from yeah, like that, um. That was one day at a time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, yeah. they they brought it back, and it was uh, and it, it was just great. Like some of the the weird ways they approach things, especially as the 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 Mexican grandmother like being against illegal immigration. Everyone's like, hold up, wait, what, what? <laughs> really. So well, she was one of the, she was one of the uh, I was it I I I got here by myself. Why you know? What do you you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did it. Why can't you? And it's like, mm. yeah. Uh, I think if like they try to redo uh, Archie Bunker, there would be people that would enjoy it for the wrong reasons nowadays. Well, didn't they? Didn't, yeah. they do a re- didn't they do a live remake a while back with Jamie Foxx? Yeah, they did. Um, I think uh, the All in the Family was Woody Harrelson and Marissa Tomei. Huh. And they, they just did like that. one or two episodes where they basically took like one of the old sketches. Right. Um, it wasn't a full show. It was just like a one night only thing. They did twice, so two nights oh, only. Um, okay. And they did, uh, I think Jamie Foxx did the Jeffersons. I think he may have been George Jefferson. That would sound about right to me. And they yeah, just yeah. picked like um, two famous episodes. I don't know what the episode um, was for All in the Family. Um because the only episode I could think of is not the one that you want to do a live version of, the one where Edith gets attacked. We don't need that episode. That would not be a fun live episode. Um, I would say not. But no. But yeah, so, so okay, so Kendra listens to the radio. The problem with the radio, too, is like if your ride isn't long, right, like you have a short ride, mm-hmm. you may get stuck just hearing commercials. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. And then, then two, you know, the other, the other issue is she'll get caught on these – 50 top Beatles songs of all times, 25 okay. top Rolling Stone songs. And, okay. uh, and we'll get to like number three or t- four in the countdown, 
But now yeah, we're yeah. at a, but now we're at our destination. But now yeah, we can't get in the car oh, because she's not here. The top three, she won't leave the car until she's heard. You know the rest of the countdown. And we're always going to be the most what? obvious one. And, uh, what, what if you're like late to a movie or something, Bill? Oh, now that you know that uh, this is more like a long car ride. It's kind of like the oh, uh, well, yeah, with the countdown, I guess. Yeah. That's so, uh, but yeah, but yeah, I mean that kind of situation. Uh, uh, she wouldn't. She wouldn't press the issue. But um, but if she's now invested you, in it, if she's invested, if she's heard eighty percent of this countdown, if she's arguing with herself about whether or not it's going to be strawberry fields or uh, hey Jude, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and she's in this whole internal monologue, monologue uh, she'll she'll wait it out. Like she'll you know, and we'll we'll be sitting there at the uh, outside of the Cheddar's though, Charlie's, and I'm starving. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I want to get. So, I mean, I've been driving for three hours. That 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 whole top forties listing. Is kind of irrelevant now because it used to be back in the day, yeah. if you wanted to hear certain songs, that was when you knew you should listen because that song was more than likely going to play on that top 40. So if you mm. were making yourself a mixtape, that was the time that you wanted to and you wanted to pray to God that Casey Kasem wouldn't right. break in at the beginning or the end of the song or do that thing they would sometimes do where they would give you the super like minute of the song before they would move on. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, mm. I remember, yeah, that was the most annoying thing it was like, like yep yeah, there's a well, like part of the song and then cut for time it's like no and you're like damn it casey Kasem. <laughs> yeah, okay. he well, fucked me once again you know there's a ta- there's a tape on him that got out that a producer had released oh. did you ever hear oh. the casey Kasem tape no was no. he a jerk in real life oh he was awful he had oh. um he was doing top forty, and he was doing a, a long distance death dedication. Remember, he used to do the long distance dedications. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was about somebody's uh, somebody's dog dying, mm. and um, and he gets halfway through the read. You know, he's ta- going on about the dog whose name was, was was Snuggles, and that year old boy loved Snuggles, and Snuggles would sleep with the boy, and the Snuggles had leukemia, and then he's, he but then he stops about you know halfway through, and he just blasts the producer, and he's he's like. I want a GD concerted effort around here that whenever I'm doing a GD death dedication, that I don't have a print song leading me in to, you know, the, uh, this, this, this dog with leukemia. He goes, it's kind of hard when it's 1999 and I have to talk about some dog dying. Like he just rails on this producer. And he, you know, he wants a, he wants like a slow, like Helen Reddy or something. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. he was so upset I mean, that it, it ruined I'm not his vibe. That makes sense. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure with the World Wide Web, you can find us somewhere out there. But it's it's fan, it's worth a listen. It's oh. fantastic, and it completely ruins. It either, either ruins or completely uh, enhances your view of Casey Kasem. Oh my god, that makes me oh, so happy! I have to, I have to find that. That's I have yes. to as well. If you find that, Boston, put put a link in our in our chat. Yeah, yeah. so so just, ima- just imagine just imagine Shaggy, just imagine Shaggy from Scooby Doo, <laughs> just railing on a guy, just you know, <laughs> like Christian Christian Bale style. Yeah, yes. just just the voice, you know, because Casey Kasem when he gets angry, he goes kind of into a shag that Shaggy voice he did for Scooby Doo. <laughs> Although, <laughs> like, well, uh, but but I, I'm not gonna lie, that is. I, I do feel like that, like, while he may have been a little aggressive about it, that was the producer's fault. Like, if you're doing a death dedication, who, don't, what are you doing, like, darling Nikki into, was, yeah, into, into, right, into this dog dying? Right into the oh, dog dying. 
Yeah. Oh. yeah. Now, in fairness, a lot of the long distance dedications would be love dedications. You know, a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the producer didn't know it was going to be snuggles. And uh, but it went right. Let's go, man. This is going to be good radio. Talking about snuggles here. And uh, but yeah, yeah. As a, Kate. As a producer, as a producer, I can guarantee you, he fucking knew. <laughs> I was like, um, he bloody knew. One of the most depressing things ever was when I was working at CVS Caremark. That itself was depressing. Oh, but on the yeah. way home at night, the radio station I would tune to um, was uh, – I forgot what the channel was, but it was Delilah in the Evening. Um, I that, yes. And basically she would do all these requests, and it seemed like every one of her listeners was going through the worst times in their lives. Yeah. There was never any exciting – um, exciting, like, uh, you know, hey, we're just getting married or anything like that. It was all death. It was just tragedy. It was horrible. <laughs> she and then they would tone, too, no matter what the story was, you know, the way yeah. she thought. <laughs> yeah. And, and then sometimes they wouldn't even say, they would just let Delilah pick the song. And it's like, don't do that. If you're going to go out of your way to write a radio personality, come up with a song that you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I say. Makes perfect sense to me. I, yeah. I agree, sir. But yeah, I, I just think that. Uh, and Casey's dead now, right? <laughs> so well, I hope so. Yeah, I talk shit about him like this. Oh <laughs> no, no, this is this is this is recorded. Oh, I, I, I swear, let's, Ryan's segues are brilliant. <laughs> they are. Speaking of dead, um, <laughs> he was replaced by Shadow Stevens, right? I think so. And then Ryan Seacrest took it over. Uh, yeah. And then what, well, who's the guy yeah. who did uh, Disco Duck? Wasn't he in there somewhere? Rick Dees? Rick Dees had his... Did he have his own rival show or did he do Casey? Or maybe there were two shows. Hmm. <laughs> either way, either way, I forget. But yeah, Casey was Casey was the big star at the time. He was the, he was the top of the radio. Now, I know there are... Some places you can go to where they replay the Casey Kasem's top 40 every week. Like, um, oh, I took really? an Uber once and this the Uber right. driver was playing it. Like, he's in some kind of Casey Kasem group, which <laughs> would be the saddest group to be in. I didn't know that was a thing. Man, can you remember that? You remember May 10th, 1992? That was a great <laughs> countdown. You know, if someone hadn't heard the if someone hadn't heard the countdown, if it was like your kids, like they're growing up and you had they had the countdown on the radio, like the old Casey Kasem, yeah. you could you could totally yeah. Marty McFly. You yeah. could you could predict you could like name off the top ten songs like in a row. It were like I tell you, it's it's gonna end with the police every breath you take. I know it. Yeah. Don't you fucking kids spoil this week's episode for me like you did last week. I need to know if I will always love you is gonna hit number one for the thirteenth consecutive week. Okay, thereby breaking so... a record. Let me see here. So apparently, uh, Kasem hosted it from 1970 to 1988. Okay. Then Shadow Stevens took over from 88 to 95. Good call, Ron. Then Casey hope. came back in 98. Oh, yeah. Hosted it until 2004. Yeah. And now Ryan Seacrest is the host of the show. What did Casey Kasem do while he was out? Where's he's like baby Jesus? What happened to those missing eight years of his life? He was uh, a he did do something. I'm trying to remember what it was, but he was maybe it's been it's oh. been all voice work. 
1988, Kaysen left the show over contract concerns with ABC and signed with Westwood One to host a competing weekly countdown. Industry trade paper Billboard magazine reported the main disputes between Kaysen and Watermark ABC were over his salary, which Westwood One tripled upon his signing. Wow. See, I knew he had to be around that time because I remember listening to him when we were in Germany. Um, I wonder what the difference was between the, the normal top 40 and his his spinoff top 40 show. More importantly, I wonder how he, how, how he treated his producers on that show. Well, he would have done that. He would have been nicer to them because they, they didn't fuck up like that. It's dog <laughs> stories from 1999, so that's when he came back. Exactly. That was probably in his contract, you know, like, I, per- I expect perfection. Yeah, you wouldn't do this to fucking Rick D's. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I gotta go out and make a. I gotta make my own novelty song. What was his disco? Disco. disco? Yeah, Rick Dees had disco duck money. Yep. Yeah. Disco duck. And he did. He sang the whole song. I don't know if you recall. I think he sang the whole song in like this Daffy Duck voice. Oh my god, that would make me so mad. I hate. I hate. Like, um, I worked at Toys R Us one Christmas, and every wow. 20 minutes we would get, like, an Alvin and the Chipmunks Christmas song. Right. And there were times where I was just going to go off myself in, like, the game board aisle. Because <laughs> was, that, was that was the lonely aisle. Ryan, did, yeah. I ever, did I ever tell you, or have I ever talked to you about uh, Chipmunks on 16? No. Oh, my God. If you ever get a chance, Chipmunks on 16 is one of the greatest... It's literally for one. It's a it's a Patton Oswalt joke come to life. Okay, but it's someone went through and took some of the, the Chipmunks albums and slowed it down to sixteen sixteen RPM. Oh God! Uh, or sixteen speed on the on the record, and so their voices slow down to normal human speaking uh, speed. Oh, that would sounds terrifying. And his speaking tones. <laughs> Oh, wow. But, like, the background music becomes this amazing, like, de- like doom rock. Really? This, oh, it's fantastic. Okay. How do you search for it? What's the search? Uh, it's, it's called it's Sludge Fest or Chipmunks on 16 Speed. <laughs> I don't think you're going to okay. say Sludge Fest. Yeah, Sludge Fest is a whole different show. Look at that. Different uh, kind of results coming back from that search. Yeah, that's crazy. Do you got, yeah. uh, Bill, do you got any, like, anybody ever come in, like, look for Alvin and Chipmunk comic books? Uh, there was a slight resurgence when you had those, um, was it, uh, Jason Lee, David Cross movies? Yep. I felt so bad for both of those people. So, I mean, I'm sure Chipmunk Money spends just as well as uh, My Name is Earl Money. Yeah, don't feel too bad for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so there was a a slight uptick there. But it was kind of weird because my generation, at least for me, you know, Alvin was the popular one because he was kind of the... He was the the bad boy. He was the rebel, the bad boy. But for some uh, for some weird re- 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 reason, uh, it switched to Theodore. I don't know why this generation, this younger generation, they love Theodore. Really? Yeah, it's a, it's an odd uh, generational shift between Alvin so to, think, and Simon. I, I guess just Simon. Simon. Yeah, no one cares about Simon. No, Simon is the all. Lisa Simpsons of the of the chipmunks. <laughs> <laughs> And Alvin is the Scott Arnold of our podcast. That's right. He's the bad boy. Well, and surprisingly, now you'd have to, uh, you'd also have to rank the, uh, I'd, I'd probably have to put Simon below a couple of the female chipmunks, even in the uh, current popularity. Do you think, 
you think there were some of those like anti Ghostbuster people that got mad when they saw there were going to be female chipmunks? <laughs> yeah. yeah, some of the old school fans just, you know, I, I heard the same thing with the He Man fans. Or like, if this He Man new he, Kevin Smith He Man show is all about Tila, I'm tuning out. <laughs> I, I, I'm here for the woke, Alvin, the woke chipmunks. <laughs> Well, I guess I guess the thing is though when when it I feel like when it first came out and everybody was like, oh well yeah of course there needs to be a female counterparts they're just supposed to do female things like mm-hmm. they only try to they only try and like flex that it's woke whenever the girls have agency. Yeah 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 they just want an episode where it's just He Man wrestling man at arms for the whole episode. <laughs> I mean with uh with many faces watching. watching. Yeah, <laughs> you many know faces- as a kid. Your parents hated hated their life if they ended up making a mistake of buying you Moss Man. Oh, I had a Moss Man back in the day. Or Stinkor. Yeah. Both of them. Moss Man would get, I think, would get the ripest, though. Because every kid's going to leave Moss Man outside. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Like, that. It it was the most distinctive smelling toy I owned, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I got, I don't think I got Moss Man, but I had most most of the others. Lucky, buddy. Yeah, and and we grew up in a nice time where we could actually find the action figures we wanted. Yeah. Oh, sure. Where now it seems like it's gotten a little crazy. Like, do um, you see that a lot, Bill? Like, it's hard to get certain figures in because of just the the collector's market with them. It's partly that, and it's partly um, a lot of the stores have consolidated down to just one or two conglomerate stores. And so, last when I was a kid, you could go to KB Toys, Children's Palace, Toys R Us, Hills Department oh, Store, yeah. Kmart, JCPenney, um, Walmart, Target. You know, now it's just it's pretty much just Walmart, Target. So and Amazon, um, yeah, and Amazon, of course. So I mean, yeah. just just the avenues to to acquire the toys has, has really shrunk, and um, and then not only that, but now you have people who kind of arbitrage toys. They'll kind of they'll look for toys that they don't, they're not even toy collectors, but what they do is they go from store to store looking for products that sell higher online than they do locally and they'll mm-hmm. buy them up and then post them online. So, so now in today's world, you have less places to get them and not, and not only that, but you're having to compete with non-toy collectors who weren't in the market 30 years ago, 20 years ago. That's true. And then you also, do you have a lot of people like that buy the toys at your store that do it just for like nostalgia reasons? Like when they were younger, Mossman was their favorite and Hey, oh, uh, sure. I mean, a lot of that's, you know, when, when my mom comes into my store, sometimes I'll, I'll show her something and I'll be like, see this, uh, this Joker van with the flower on top that squirts the water. I said, this is the exact one that you wouldn't buy for me in 1988. You know, and I, I said, now I have it. Not only do I have it, but I have two copies. I got one in the back, still in the box. Yeah. Jim Mint, you know, 10.0. And, uh, guess you and, got the last laugh, mom. Right, right. right. And so, uh, so I, I'm sure I'm not the only one. So a lot of, uh, a lot of guys now and, and girls who buy ladies who buy these, uh, action figures and toys, it's, it's a way to uh, to make up for either a deprived childhood or, you know, just um, something that they had and they lost or they they let their friend borrow it and never got it back. Well, that's a good question right there to start off here. Um, have you seen like in the last year, like an, like the last couple, like decade, an uptick on like female customers? 102%. Yeah? Yes, sir. You so have a lot. I've been, and, and, and part of it's just the um, – and this is going to sound – kind of crazy to some of the old school fans, but I think the quality of writing has gotten so much better over the years. And my buddy yeah. Mark has a good saying. He's like, I grew up with comics and comics grew up with me. 
just meaning that if you go back and you read a comic from your childhood and, and you, you truly evaluate it, you're going to notice that the, the reading level and the, the, the story level is, is, is much weaker back then. It was written for, I think, a younger audience and a more male-driven audience. And now well, yeah. the, um, the, the comics seem to be written for an older audience and then more inclusive audience. Well, something, yeah. something someone brought up to me one day because um, we were talking about the, the Kirby Crackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that classic design, that classic style of Jack Kirby, and how it was pretty much made because he got paid per page. So right. he that was just his job. He wasn't trying to create this great work of art. He wasn't trying to create some high concept story. Right. He was right. just trying to crank out fucking pages to get paid. And so a lot of the early stuff was was written like that. Yeah, yeah. So the Marvel style of writing comics back then was that the artist would um would kind of take the outline. So so the stand would go to Jack and he would say, "All right, in this issue, I want you know Thor to go to the Rainbow Bridge and to fight some frost giants and then to uh, end up making up with his dad, you know, whatever." But then but then Jack Kirby would draw you know that whole the whole story pretty much. And then Stan would go in and lay the words in on top after the art was done. And so, um, and so when you're doing that, it's very easy on the writer because as the writer, you're basically, you have the storyboard in front of you, the visual storyboard, and all you're doing is just putting the dialogue in. Um, Mm -hmm. But for the artist, it's pretty hard because all you're given is an outline and you have to figure out basically how to storyboard this outline. How do I get Thor from this point to this point and this point to this point? And at the end, he's got to be with Odin. Um, and so, so, so Jack and Kirby was doing, you know, four or five books a month at that point. And one of the ways to save time is, is when you do, when you're doing backgrounds, um, a lot of times you don't want to draw, um, a bunch of goats or mountains or bridges. And so Kirby would do a lot of crackle, which uh, would make sense because a lot of his books were cosmic based. They were, you know, the fantastic mm-hmm. four and journey to mystery. Uh, they take place predominantly, you know, in space. A lot of the story takes place in mm-hmm. space. So, it, and, and, and to Kirby's credit, I will say this, Vince Coletta was a Marvel inker at the time, and uh, Kirby would get upset because he would draw these intricate pages. He would draw Thor pulled by this chariot with these two goats and, uh, you know, with flowing robes and the hammer and all the, you know, nine yards. And, uh, and Vince uh, was inking four or five books a month, and he would be behind on deadlines. And he would uh, he would take an eraser and he would just erase Kirby's art. <laughs> he would just erase, oh no. yeah, he would just erase the entire background. And Kirby would go to Stan and um, in today's world, in today's world, Kirby would probably be slightly on the autism scale. He wasn't good talking to other people, but he would go to Stan yeah. and he would say, "Hey, what happened to my my goats on this pan?" And uh, Stan would say, "Hey, uh, Vince Coletta inked that issue, and uh, we think Vince might be mobbed up, so we we're afraid to say anything to Vince." Because they're they're afraid of repercussions because the Marvel bullpen was in New York at the time and New York was yeah. a mob brand city and uh, and I don't know if they were just saying that because Coletta's last name ended in the vowel or if he was really mobbed up but um but Vince would just he was notorious for uh, you know there were supposedly Kirby would draw these fantastic uh, backgrounds and uh, Vince that's... would yeah would just erase it. rather than ink it he would just erase it and save uh, save time. Yeah, that's one of those things I think that helped Stanley become the legend he is, is because like King and Dicta both were kind of like more quiet people. Yes. And Stan was more like a Vince McMahon, so he was more boisterous and more Yes. You know, had had his you know, his bullhorn pretty much. He was a carnival barker. He he gets a 
I, I think he should get, still get credit for a lot of stuff he did, but probably mm-hmm. should have shared a little bit more of the credit than he did. He, yeah, he definitely received the lion's share and then not, to, he did deserve a fair share of it, but it, he did seem to predominantly get the majority of the credit. Yeah. Do you think they still um, do Marvel comics the same way, like the Marvel way? Where the artist does everything, and then the art, the writer goes in there, and no, I, can't see them I think doing that. Yeah, I think it would be it would be too hard on today's artists because the art's so good that, and not to not to diss Jack Kirby or the artists of the '60s and early '70s, but the yeah. art today is phenomenal, and um, the time they spend on drawing this stuff is it's. it's it's apples and oranges compared to uh, the time spent on the 60s but comics that, and the 70s honestly comics. Is how it, that's honestly how it should always be is because the people doing it today, you know, basically grew up on that. They grew mm-hmm. up and were inspired by the artists from the 70s, 80s, and the image right. explosion in the 90s that the thing should look better and read better today than they did 50 years ago. Just like with video games. A yes. video game should play better today and look better today than it did like 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you could, you could argue that with a lot of artistic mediums. I mean, they all, they all have their merits, you know, um, jazz music from the the forties and fifties, you know, has, has as much merit as music, current music from today. But I think there's a lot more, um, a lot more work and, and science and artistry that goes into the, the stuff today than, than the stuff um, back in the day. Well, I yeah. feel like, especially with how, with how broad, you know, it's not just, it's not really just two, you know, it's not just Marvel and DC anymore. Mm. There are so many different independent publishers. There's so many different small time publishers. You can just publish, you know, self publish so easily that you can have people who, you know, don't mind taking the time to come up with their vision rather than just bleh, whatever, you know, whatever sells quick. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and that is a huge uh, motivator. Um, you know, if, cause if you're a writer, you could, um, you've got to say you've got a fantastic story idea. So Lowell Cunningham was from Knoxville. He still is from Knoxville. Lowell Cunningham's from Knoxville. He's the he's the, he's the creator of Men in Black, and y'all may know that as yes. from the Will Smith, Tommy Jones. But um, you know, he had a fantastic idea and uh, self-published it and uh, turned it into a you know three movie franchise. And but let's say he had taken that idea instead and went to Marvel or DC, and they turned it into a Gambit miniseries or something with Hawk and yeah. Dove. You know, yeah. and so all he gets at that point is just a page rate. It's work for hire. They cut him a check, and now they own the work product. Um, in the earlier model, the, the model he went with, you know, he he took the idea and ran with it and, and created his own comic. And so translated to today's world, if you're a writer today, if you're James Tinian, let's say, and you have a cool idea, you could either put it – you're currently writing Batman for DC. You could either put it in your Batman uh, book as a new villain, this great idea you have, or you could save it and put it in Department of Truth or put it in um, Something's Killing the Children, two properties that you own that are going to be licensed for television that are going to yeah. make you much, much yeah. more money. So there's a, there's a financial interest and there's a creative interest in um, kind of saving your best uh, ideas for yourself, I guess. Well, was also, yeah. there's also a balance there because uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but me and a buddy were working on a comic about a decade ago. And we were, uh, I got the art for it. I got all the character designs down. He was working on the stories. We were having a great time putting it all together. And then my buddy Jeremy says, hey, have you heard of the boys? No. Oh. And sure enough, we like, we're looking at the boys. And it's like, this is, this is the story we were, right. This one's a yeah. lot more violent than we were, we were going to do. We were going to be a bit more toned down. But like, fuck, this is the exact same story. 
a right. government-backed team of, of of soups keeping the other superheroes in line, <laughs> and yeah. like focusing on like we we were focusing more on like regulation, Civil War style. Which also that didn't help when Civil War came out too. And it was like, yeah. fucking shit, yeah. you're so close. Was the guy that got bitten by a spider? What the fuck's going on? <laughs> so the weird thing to me is okay. So the creator of or Men in Black, what's mm-hmm. his name again? Lowell Cunningham. He lives in Knoxville, right? He does. And this is not me being mean. I, it's going to sound mean, but I promise you, I don't mean it to be mean. Mm-hmm. Is he just like a recluse? Because it's so weird that a guy who created such a big franchise lives in Knoxville, but he's never at any of the conventions around this area. I've seen him before with his mom at Dragon Con, just as a, uh, just as like me, just like a customer of Dragon Con. But he never goes to any places to speak, to sign, or do any of that. He, um, yeah, and I don't know if part of it was just the, uh, the I don't know if, no, I don't want to say embarrassment is the wrong word, but just the repetition of telling people the story over and over again about how he only received $50,000 for men in black, um, as a, oh, as a movie, as a movie option. And so, you know, probably over the years, just having people to be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Or, you know, why didn't you get yeah. more? Or you, don't you know they made three movies or, you know, whatever he had to hear. Um, maybe he just got tired of it. Um, I know when I first opened, he would come and play, um, uh, this card game with us in the back called Doomtown, and it was kind of like this mix of Cthulhu and mm. Cthulhu and poker. It was weird, but uh, but, but he loved the game. I'm intrigued, but yeah, but we never uh, we were never really talked about Men in Black. Really? Yeah. Somebody starts to talk about him, he just turns over cards. He, he did say Will Smith was an asshole. Oh, <laughs> but uh, but I think that was the only time uh, that anything even close to Men in Black even came up, and I don't even think that was in uh, in reference to Men in Black. I think it was in reference to that Ali movie he didn't like. Oh, so <laughs> but even if he's bitter, those the first movie came out like over twenty years ago. At this point, I would be thinking, you know what? Let me start making some more money off of this minute because he doesn't do comics anymore either, does he? Well, that was part of the deal was that he was supposed to get a check for fifty thousand dollars and the right to to write any future Men in Black comic books. Um, okay, and Marvel had at that point had had bought Men in Black and owned Men in Black. Uh, the comics, really? at least, at least not, okay. not not on the movie side, on the comic book side. And um, okay. and they did end up doing. As a matter of fact, I, I, I may have been when Men in Black One and Men in Black Two came out. That they, they did end up doing these one shots that Lil wrote. That's actually there were actual Marvel comics, Men in Black comics that, that huh. Lil, Lil Cunningham wrote. Okay. But that so was he probably just lives off royalties. Then you think so that was the extent of it? No, I, I, I think he sold it outright. For I mean, he's not he's not wealthy at all. See, I think he makes some kind of money somewhere because my friend uh, that used to work at Best Buy said that Lowell come in there all the time to buy stuff. Now maybe he's got something off of something later, like the video game or some of the okay. merchandise. Uh, yeah. but, but my understanding was, as far as the movie profits, that he signed it away with the, the fifty thousand dollar option. God, that would kill me. That must be just like with uh, Siegel and Schuster selling Superman for basically pennies. Yeah, like a hundred dollars. Well, that and was uh, the reminds me of when uh, Warren when Iron Man three came out, and everybody went to Warren Ellis being like, "Hey, man, you know it's the extremist stuff. You, you must be making a lot of money off this." He's like, huh. "Nah, dog. It was right to work. So it was a it was, it was yeah. paid 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 to play. So yeah, yeah. All, all that all that extremist stuff that belongs to Marvel." And yeah. I knew that going into it. Yeah. However, Red Two is out. 
so they might give you um they might put your name somewhere in the credits of the movie they may fly you to hollywood for Mm -hmm. the premiere you won't be in the room with all the stars you'll be in the flow over room um but yeah you they mcu does not treat the creators that well unfortunately it's gotten it's got it's gotten better than it was uh in in fairness to to disney and marvel but it's still yeah it's still probably not what it actually should be. And it's just because I think the source material was taken lightly for so long. Yeah. There's a really good documentary. I don't know if it's still on Hulu. Um, I think Scott, you could watch it and I think you'd only have to watch one commercial. So it may be worth it. Um, (laughs) But it's called Batman and Bill. And it's about the co-creator Batman, Bill Finger and his family's quest to get him the credit he deserved for co-creating Batman and pretty much creating a lot of the mythos of Batman. I think awesome. he created what the Joker, Robin, the Batcave, Catwoman, all that, right? I now, if so. I watch this, there's two, and there's more than one commercial. I'm, I'm putting you down. <laughs> no, I think Hulu does that with movies. Hulu's like, hey, hey, cheap ass, here's <laughs> just watch this uh, minute minute commercial, then you can watch your movie. Because I would suck right. if halfway through the movie they cut to a commercial because oh, no. number one, the company doesn't know where they're going to cut. Like if you're watching Pulp Fiction, and right as um um. The, the gimp is taken into Marcellus Wallace. It cuts to a MasterCard commercial. I don't think MasterCard's going to be that happy about that. No, probably not. No. Casey Kasem wouldn't stand for it. <laughs> no, no, you can't cut from a gimp scene straight to a uh, MasterCard commercial. <laughs> so, professionalism here, damn it. Yeah. Um, speaking of gimps, no, that's a, not a segue. Another um, segue. So that's segues. Is, this is its 22nd year, right? Yes, let me do the math, man. I think that's correct. Because I think 19, uh, 2019 was the 20th anniversary? Yes. So uh, okay. I think we opened in the winter of 99. Or, wait a hang on. Maybe in the winter of no, I take it back. I think it was in the winter of 98, but uh, okay. but we, we started the calendar rolling in 99. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So. It was, was it like as a child where you're like, I want to one day own a comic book shop? No, I wanted to be a space cowboy like Han Solo. Yeah. You know, if you would have, uh, if you went to my second grade class and it had the little thing outside the class, you know, my favorite food was pizza. Favorite song at the time. My favorite band time might have been the village people. I don't remember. But uh, what I wanted to be when I grew up was definitely like a space cowboy. But then, you know, I went to, uh, I went, I went to, I went to engineer and then to, uh, and then to attorney, and then to uh, propri- proprietor. Proprietor. Yeah, I and so your, your, I'm going to call it your creation story. Your, your, yeah, your, your origin like, story. Your origin story. Yeah, there you go. Like, yeah. So, so law school then became a proprietary of the. Of the yeah, how, how do you make that leap from going to? Because you graduated, right? I did. Yeah. I, um, so, uh, so as a kid. Uh, real quickly, I always collected comic books and um, baseball cards, action figures, Hot Wheels toys, um, cars. Um, just, you know, kind of for me, that stuff was kind of my currency because I didn't have a lot of money growing up. So okay. if I needed, let's say, a baseball mitt for Little League, I would swap <laughs> off like some of my uh, Star Wars figures out of my Darth Vader head case, you know. Um, and so that that was that. So, so for me, you know, it was, it was kind of like, it all always viewed it kind of as a, in a sense, a a form of money. And, um, and so I was always into that. And then, 
uh, you go through the period where it's um, cars and girls and high school and sports and yeah. and that stuff kind of falls by the wayside for a little bit. Uh, and then I kind of got back into it again in college, um, uh, but not heavily because you're a broke college student. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then law school and um, being some friends of mine, we would uh, we would all this was a terrible idea, but we all decided we were going to co- we were going to co op comics. I don't know if you have, so. We uh we were all friends, and two of us lived together. One of us kind of lived in the same apartment complex. And uh, one week I would buy the books. One week Jim would buy the comics. And one week Jack would buy the comics. But we'd all read all we'd all read all the comics. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I'm paying thirty three percent, but I'm reading hundred percent of the comics. This is a win for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but the problem was is that me and Jim were we were uh, we were knowledgeable about comics and how to handle comics, read comics. Jack was a savage. He was a caveman. Like he would, uh, you know, he you'd come in the, the living room and there'd be a drink on top of the comic. Uh, he'd fall oh, asleep. No. He'd fall asleep reading the comic, and his head would be on the comic. You go in there into the room, and his head would be on top of the comic where he fell asleep. And so, uh, when it kind when it came time to divvy out the comics after the co-op ended, and we all went our separate ways, we made Jack take all the ones that had like coaster stains on them and stuff. You know, even if it's not like books that, that he didn't collect. You know, if they were the books that he didn't. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm like I'm sorry, Jack. I'm I'm not taking uh, the comics that were in your dirty laundry basket for like two weeks, man. You know, all those are yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the the it was in theory it was a great concept, but uh, the divorce part was the settlement part was kind of funky. So yeah. Anyway, I graduate law school and I take uh, my share of the comics, the ones I had when I was a kid. And there's a friend of mine at the time. His name's uh, John Tipton. And he's okay. now, he's now, he was the editor at IDW Comics. He's now the um, head of uh, Heavy Metal Comics, Magma Comics at Heavy Metal. Cool. And um, we decided to start up a store. And so um, we find a place uh, close to downtown, close to campus. We're both college kids. And um, we, uh, <laughs> we, so we find a place to rent. We, we, we go in, we, we're like, we'll take it. We cut a deal on the rent. We won't have to, um, the owner wants to keep a, a car uh, stored in our back room. We had this huge back room and his brother collected cars. And he said, okay, I'll get, cut your deal on the rent. If I can keep this car stored in your back room, you don't have to pay rent for two months. And um, so we get that deal on the rent. And then um, we go and we to KB to turn electricity. And they say it's going to be a $250 deposit. Well, we don't have $250. Oh. So for the first maybe two or three weeks, we were operating without electricity. Oh my God! So, and this oh, was wow. a winter. Oh yeah, this, so this your store had to close around four or five. So once it got dark, and uh, <laughs> if you weren't standing by the window by the subway sign, the subway sign would light up like about six o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock. Yes, and uh, that was the only lighting we had, and so you could stand kind of close to the window, and you could kind of see a little bit with the subway light, but. <laughs> Um, no cash register. We couldn't take credit cards. We didn't have electricity and we had a small, yeah. like a battery powered radio. Like you see, like those survivalists have that are, you know, camped yeah. up in the mountains. And, um, and then we had like a little change box where we'd make change. And, uh, so our first $250, needless to say, went straight to KUB to, uh, for a deposit to turn on the electricity. Um, then, you know, oh, wow. after, after about four or five months, we scrounged up enough money to, uh, to buy a credit card machine where we didn't have to take cash all the time. Um, so how did you, um, like, so when you started the comic book shop, how did you get the collections to start 
putting out like to begin with? Because I know was Diamond like they are now, where you have to put so much down to get like a like an account with them. Did right, you that's correct. Go to, so like, uh, flea markets and just buy like uh, big lots of comics. So I, I had no, we didn't have money for that. So I had um, I had my comics and, and John's comics, and we that's we kind of started with that, and then um, okay. once we had sold um enough to where. Uh, we got the electricity turned on, and we so we didn't carry. We weren't carrying new comics for the first while, and uh, yeah. once we got the electricity turned on and uh, got a credit card machine, we uh, we co-op to another store in town called Collector's World. I don't know if you remember Collector's World. Is that the one Ziggy ran? No, uh, that was World. the one that was out in Farragut. Wasn't out it? in Farragut, correct? Okay. Yep. So every yeah, Wednesday, I hated those motherfuckers. Oh yeah, yeah. There was two guys that worked there, James and Dwight. Uh, Dwight was pretty cool. He had like a ponytail. Um, uh, James was a complete asshole. Uh, I think I made. Now, was that the one that was kind of like close to that putt putt place? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's. that's the, I think that's I the place, the- That's where I got started with. That's where I got started in comics and collecting stuff. Was buying Magic the Gathering and Spawn comics from those guys. That's where um, I was going until they until they screwed me over and I then ran into Bill's arms. Nice. Um, we love to have you here, Ron. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually obligated to say that. Um, well, the, now, that not, now that they're not here, I can totally I can totally feel completely justified in saying fuck those guys. For I just remember the one time I one of the last times I was there uh, before they got before they shut down was he was I'm pretty sure he was playing City of Heroes behind the counter. Like on a separate computer playing City of Heroes, and he was so upset, so upset that he had to stop playing the game to come over and ring me out. Oh wow! And I was like, yeah. "Fucking really?" Yeah. He, it was it was kind of ridiculous. Like I wanted them to click carry Walking Dead for me, and they kind of refused because it was a black and white comic. Um, I could have had those first few issues like actual singles. Um, <laughs> Wait, and- what? Yeah, and the uh, the stake in the heart for me was when uh, Captain America, uh, they killed Captain America at the end of Civil War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If the book Boilers. wasn't like in your folder, or even some cases it was in your folder, you would have to pay like $20 to get the book. Yeah. Like day of. They were just okay. doing pretty shady tactics. And so that's when I was done. And Bill's place was a little bit further out from where I lived at that point. But I drove right by there, there and what Bill has that I think is the reason why you're 22 years in the business now is like Bill is probably one of the most customer centric people I know. His customer service skills are mm-hmm. insane. Hey, even when I spilled an entire soda over some of his comics, he wasn't upset at all. <laughs> yes, can we tell the story? I, I'll go ahead. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, Okay, yeah. So, um, so we're in the comic book store. It's Wednesday night. Um, me, Bill, and some others are. I think we're talking about uh, sitcoms. And we're having the best of times. Yeah. Somebody said something a little offensive. Um, so I went back there and talked to Boston, and Boston seemed a little peeved by what had been said. And then uh, ten minutes later, Boston comes out and goes, "Hey, let's. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go." And I'm thinking he's still just upset about whatever he had heard, right? So we get in the car, and Boston. <laughs> So Boston, now tell us what has happened. For, no, the best part at this at this point is uh, oh, foreshadowing. Well, well, at this point, especially with with Ryan, is I had 
I, I kind of revealed that I had removed my shirt from underneath my hoodie and used it as a test. Okay, so <laughs> what what had happened was I was in the dollar I was in the dollar room just going through comics because I love looking for like weird indie shit to to, to for for inspiration and. I had a can of Mountain Dew Kickstart because that's just my brand. And I knocked it over onto the floor next to some of the one the, next to one of the boxes there. And so I with because I knew what these you know, this is paper everywhere, without even thinking, I like pulled all of my I pulled my shirt off, I pulled my jacket off, and started using my shirt to clean up all of the soda. That hit the floor. Like I lifted the boxes up. I got underneath the edge of the boxes. I, I got the floor underneath it. I got every drop of soda off of that floor. Now keep, keep keep in mind this is this is in a room off to the side where none of us can see what's going on. None of us can see. No one panic and try to. And so it's it's a, it's a separate it's a separate room altogether. Yeah. And so kind of in my head, I was like, well, since it was off to the side, no one saw this happen. If I just, I will just take this to my grave. And we'll move on. No one has to know. No one has to care. We'll just go on. So that's when I was like, like I shove. I put my jacket back on, shoved my shirt like up underneath, so I looked just a little fatter for a bit. And that's when I was like, Hey, hey man, can we? You, you ready to go? We got to go. Let's go. And then, like yeah. on the way home, I told Ryan what happened, and I guess he could just sense the. I, I don't know if he just was trying to do the right thing or could sense how guilty I felt. He was like, yeah. "Dude, you need to you need to tell Bill. Yeah, you need like, to tell yeah. Bill." I said, "If you don't take Bill, if you don't if you don't tell Bill, you're gonna feel so bad the next time we go in that store, Aww. and you're gonna think that Bill knows." <laughs> so, because I, I knew I knew he had the cameras set up. Set up. You're loved, Bill. Yeah. Just like so you know. Now, can I tell you? Can I tell you? Like maybe 20 minutes after you called me, Boston. Maybe I'll take it back. 10 minutes after you called me, Boston. Ron yes. called me shortly thereafter, and he said, "Listen." He goes, uh, did your, uh, did your cameras record under a hard drive? And I said, yes, they do. And he says, can you please, please, uh, crop me, crop me the three minutes of footage of Boston in that room, taking his shirt off and frantically getting on his hands and knees and scrubbing the floor. And, uh, and I didn't even ask him what he was going to do with the footage. I just immediately sent it to him right away. So I, I'm not sure whatever happened with the Boston, but just to let you know, Ryan now has that footage. Ryan now has oh, that three-minute video clip. Time? He's got that three-minute video clip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forwarded it to Ryan. We could have made a TikTok by now, man. Come on. So, <laughs> um, but the best part was the foreshadowing. Before we came into the store, Boston asked, hey, is, is it okay if we bring drinks into the store? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, as long as you don't spill them. And Boston oh. never brought another drink ever again. I <laughs> Uh, Not yeah, true, but, but yeah. I, I'm much more careful now. I, I hold <laughs> it very close true. to my chest. I was like, Boston, let's tell him the truth. And Boston's like, let me get some food in me and figure out what I'm going to do. <laughs> no, so stop, got some Popeye's chicken. He got some of that, you know, uh, and then and then he did the right thing. You completely did the right thing. <laughs> Even though I, I never, I never would have, I never, I, I never would have found out though. So we know now if in the future, if we ever have to, if we commit a crime and need like a, he's our, he's our uh, Harvey Keitel from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yes. The wolf. Yes. He's the, he's the wolf. Yeah. He's just going to show up, uh, spray yeah. us with the 
hose and clean everything down. Yeah, he's going to give us orders and tell us what to do. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I, when I when I saw when I first saw the movie The Transporter, yeah, with Jason Statham, yeah, I'm not going to lie. There was a point in me that was like, I, yeah, I could I could live that life. Like not 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 necessarily like you know the uh, the, the murdering or the robbing, but like just yeah. just being the getaway driver. Yeah, sure, I can do that. Yeah. I I couldn't do it because I have to rope an Uber guy into it. <laughs> 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 awesome. I was like, look, okay, we're waiting for my friend to get done robbing that bank, but you get paid while we right. sit here. Right. You're getting and, paid, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you twenty percent on the tip. And That's you're happening. Trouble because you're just an Uber driver. So yeah, I'd be like, my Uber driver went caught. rogue. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, who's gonna? Who are you gonna believe? A trusted um, citizen of society or an Uber driver? Exactly. A fucking gig worker. That just reminds me of that. Uh, reminds me of that Japanese trial of the guy who hired a hitman, and the hitman hired another, like, outsourced to another hitman, who outsourced to another hitman, who outsourced to another hitman, and there was like five, five deep before oh someone God. like caught them, caught them conspiring. And they all wow. they all were on trial. But it was like none of them actually wanted to do the killing. So they just kept outsourcing yeah. it to buy hiring cheaper and cheaper hitmen. Oh my god. I wonder how much money the original hitman was gonna keep and not <laughs> sell the second hitman and then exactly. down the road. The last hitman was probably gonna get like ten bucks. Yeah. Ten bucks and a pizza. Yeah, that's crazy. Now <laughs> speaking of crazy, one thing Bill, because you know there is that narrative that sometimes uh, crappy people on the internet right. like to say that uh, comic books are a dying medium, like print is. Um, but it seems like your 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 shop your shop is more successful now than it probably was like in a, a decade ago, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's probably true. Um, but now partially it's just uh, because of all the TV shows and movies. Okay, do you uh, think that has like offered a big influx of people coming into the store again? Oh, absolutely. Um. You know, and part of it's just a, uh, so let's say, I don't know, let's just pick a number. Let's say 10 million people go to see the new Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And, let's, and then let's say only half of 1%. So what would that be? Let's see, that's uh, 1,100,000. That'd be 50,000 people. That's 50,000 people. If half of 1% of the people leave the theater and after seeing Guardians and decide, you know what? I like that raccoon. He was cool. He's like, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I, you know, I want to read more about, you know, or whatever, or whatever the character they pick that they, that they take a liking to. I mean, only um, the raccoons worth listening to. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's Bradley Cooper, right? I mean, it's obviously he's so, yeah. um, uh, but, uh, they, uh, it, 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 it's almost like a rising tide lifts all boats. It, it, it just, the influx of those new customers into the, uh, the comic book stores. Um, yeah, it, it creates, they're almost like commercials, giant commercials. And so when mm-hmm. a, a season comes out of, let's say, WandaVision, um, all of a sudden, you know, everybody wants to know about uh, Wanda and, um, and Vision, you know, Scarlet Witch and Vision. So, Do you uh, usually start, like, trying to put aside, like, uh, hey, the people that, if you're if they start coming in for that show, you're like, hey, here's some cool books to check out that right. features character. So before the show will come on the air as a store, what I'll do is I'll, I'll go through and I'll, I'll load up on, you know, the graphic novels of, like, the origin stories or, like, the classic mm-hmm. stories of, and um, and I really saw it. I noticed it when the um, the Zack Snyder trailer hit for Watchmen. Y'all probably remember that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. you know. And so the you know, it was a fantastic trailer. You know, say what you want about the movie, the, the trailer was a plus. And yeah. uh, but after that trailer, it, the trailer came out, and then I'm out to eat with my wife, and the, the waiter at the restaurant comes up and goes, "Hey, uh, <laughs> you got that comic store on Chapman Highway, right?" And I said, "Yes, sir." 
He goes, do you have a graphic novel Watchmen in stock? I, I just saw that trailer. And, I, I and, 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 and so that's what I noticed the correlation between somebody who may not even read a comic. I, I doubt this waiter had read a comic at this point, but um, yeah. just being driven to the comic book store, being driven to a graphic novel uh, strictly by the, the medium of movies or the medium of television. Well, but yeah. wasn't that the wasn't that the whole origin of the Ultimate series? Um, was because X Men, the first X Men movie came out, mm-hmm. and everybody was like, "Holy shit!" and ran to the comic books, it ran to go to comic stores to buy it. And of course, the current the, the canon of that time was completely batshit crazy. Right. Uh, oh, that was the Grant Morrison run, right? Uh, as as I recall, like site. One the of the main of- cast was dead. Gene and, Gene and Wolverine were together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or uh, I, I don't remember the, the the specifics, but yeah, it was like they had uh, it, it was a vastly different uh, uh, story than what was on what was on screen. So they were like, uh, "Ultimates here, we'll just reboot it again." Yeah. Yes, and, yeah. but uh, but it, it started with Ultimate Spider Man was first. Uh, and then they did Ultimate X-Men and then Ultimates, which was their Ultimate Avengers, which is basically, so when people say the MCU or when they think of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, what they're thinking of is, is Mark Millar's Ultimates. Um, yeah, to a point, but like, to not a point, as I mean, Hulk, not as the Hulk, Hulk's not a cannibal, but visually, <laughs> if, if you, if you look at the Captain yeah. America and that, and that, if you look at the Hawkeye and that, um, the Scarlet Witch uh, and that, well, they're, they're Nick very, Fury. and then the, obviously the Nick Fury. They're very, yeah. very similar to uh, the, what the MCU decided to go with, and I don't yeah. think that was—I don't think that was a directive to Mark Millar to create like you know a cinematic-friendly uh, comic universe. I think they just liked what he had done uh, as far as updating the characters, and they ran with it. Which, which yeah. is funny. Which is funny because now that I think about it, yeah, no one, no one really like when 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 Black Heimdall came out, everybody was like, <gasps> "You can't right. cast Idris Elba as a, as a as my white." Norse fantasy, yeah. Uh, but no, one, I, I remember. Yeah, there wasn't as much of a stink about Nick Fury because, well, everybody had read the Ultimates and they already knew that that's where they were going with it. Yeah, nobody was like, he's supposed to look like David Hasselhoff. Damn it! Right. Although, God, I want to. Uh, I want a Hasselhoff Fury. Ooh. Oh my God! Oh, you had it on Fox back in the day. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they yeah. had oh, a. Damn. They did, they yeah, did a Nick right. Fury movie, and they did a uh, believe it or not, a Gen X movie. Yeah, um, I remember that. No, and the really? Really that bad had, Roger Corman, Fantastic Four. Yeah, that was actually even in the eight. I was back in the eighties. Uh, that was, uh, but yeah. So without as a kid, anything that was even remotely comic book, I just uh, I would gravitate toward. So even shows that weren't comic book, but kind of felt mm-hmm. comic book, if that makes sense. Yep. So yeah. something comic, like comic adjacent. So, so something like Manimal. I don't know if y'all remember the NBC show Manimal. The guy could turn in. He was. Remember, who doesn't oh. remember that? Um, uh, Misfits of Science. Who was yes. that? Yes. Um, that had Courtney Cox in it, didn't it? I think it was Courtney Cox was the yeah. the, the girl who had like kind of electrical power. She may have been the Jean Grey character, but it, but anyway, anything that was even remotely, and then I would go to bed every night, and uh, I, I would pray, and then after I would pray for my family, I would say, you know, dear God, please, before I die, one Spider Man movie. That's all, just one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now there's so much stuff that uh, I can't even. Um, I, I didn't even watch The Gifted, and that was the X Men show on Fox. Yeah, and uh, so bad. So, but you know, but I pick and choose because 
It's like yeah. it's like a it's like a thirsty man who's been begging for water his whole life, and then they just open up a fire hydrant right in front of my face. And that's and, essentially what Disney Plus is now. And that's what Disney Plus is. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we still have after Loki. We still have What If and Hawkeye this year. Yes. Holy I, shit. Yeah, and I think yeah. they said it at at some point. Maybe it's after Loki that I think Disney Plus will every every Friday night will have an original program, either Star Wars or Marvel airing. Yeah, because they just oh. finished. Uh, they wrapped production for um, the Book of Fit. Yeah. Uh, oh, they did wrap. Yeah, they did wrap. Um, they spoke to uh, the lead, uh, whoever the, the guy that plays Boba Fett is, and he says he's not sure if a second season's happening or if this is like a, a standalone se- uh, standalone season. But okay. whatever they decide to do, John Favreau and Dave Feeney, like anything they do, Disney uh, Star Wars wise, is amazing. Uh, my roommate's been watching The Bad Batch, which is mm-hmm. their new animated series, and is saying it's phenomenal. He didn't watch The Clone Wars, and he's able still to follow it. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, but the one thing I do notice, Bill, is like, so if you go into Bill's store, uh, right when you walk into the left-hand side is his rack of new comics. Mm-hmm. And it's a big rack. Like, how many? It's six, it's six deep, right? Ah, uh, it's one, two, three, four, five, maybe five, five, six, maybe six rows, and then it runs from rows. it runs like the length of from one wall to another wall, maybe twenty feet, twenty five feet, and, something and like that. Yes, yeah, so Bill, Bill has so many awesome like collector things too. If, if you're just yeah. wanting to check out some just badass things, statues, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's got them. It's lots awesome. of statues, lots of um, lots of graded comics. Um, Actually, so there's one thing. So uh, all of, uh, everything that Bill said is true, and every, uh, his his store is amazing. There's one thing though that I think is, is the key to his success. Okay, and that is he hired a uh, an employee who has a bird who sings Star Wars theme songs. Sing theme songs. Yeah, yes. and sometimes she answers the phone. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. That bird will answer. My friend Noah called once and said, "Hey, I called to have them put back a comic for me, and a bird answered the phone." That's amazing. So I I went to the to your store, Bill, with Ryan. You weren't there, but the uh-huh. the what is her name? Ryan, the one that has the bird. Uh, Bill Lane. Lane. Yeah. yeah. So she was there with the bird, and I I I don't know if I've ever been more sad in, in my life because I didn't mm. know uh, about this bird. Yeah. Uh, so I was there, enjoyed my time, you know, looking at all the badass stuff and. They were talking about the bird, and she said, "Oh yeah, and uh, this is the one that sings Star Wars." Like, oh god, I gotta hear it. But the bird <laughs> was sick, uh, and, she, and the bird wasn't singing that day. I was so depressed. Oh, like, right, but I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah, she is amazing. And if you go in, I think she's there Saturday, Sundays, and Mondays. Yeah. Um, she usually has. She's got a lot of birds. She has a lot of birds. Um, she has as many birds as as Bill has comics, <laughs> and she always has like one or two birds in there. Uh, right now, she she brings Sprite in a lot. Sprite is like her latest rescue. Right. Um, but one thing I was gonna say is like, so when you go in the store, you have that whole roll of new comics, right? Yeah. Um, how do you do? You have to do a lot of research to figure out like what because I know you have to order these books like two or three months in advance. How do you pick what you know is gonna be? You're gonna to have to order more copies of, or what? This independent title, like something is killing children, that's mm-hmm. just gonna blow up. How do you kind of figure these things out? Well, you, you kind of gauge it, and so part of it is in, in the business you have in, in retail. You have what's called evergreens, and evergreens are things that are, per, are perpetually sell. So, in comics, your evergreens would be something like Amazing Spider-Man, uh, Batman, X-Men, um, Justice League. 
Uh, and so those are the books that you'd always know that at the end of the month, if you have four or five still on the rack, you're not too terribly worried because over the next year, you're, you're probably going to sell those four or five comics because they're evergreens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you take that information and then you uh, and you talk to your customers and your customers will give you a lot of great feedback, you know, as far okay. as like what they're reading, uh, what they like, uh, what characters, you know, are really um, seem to be uh, uh, Marvel and DC seem to be focusing on. And mm-hmm. uh, and then you take that information and um, and you kind of just mix it all together. And 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 not only that, but like you said, you, you also will notice certain writers or certain artists will have fan followings. So, for instance, okay. if, if Todd McFarlane's doing art on a book or Jim Lee's doing art on a book, uh, you know that there's a, a good percentage of people who are going to buy it just because they're doing the art. Um, and so you bump the numbers up on those. And so a lot of it is, is trial and error. And you just try and get the numbers, you know, as narrowly tailored as you can on, on the right books and then. On other okay, books. So you're not taking like a bath on something. Yeah, like I don't want at the end of the month, I don't want to go and pull down 15 copies of Doom Patrol off my rack. Uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, if I pull down 15, I, I can be in business for another 10 years. I'm, I'm not going to sell 15 copies of Doom, <laughs> Doom Patrol 16. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, like I said, now if it's, if it's you know, two or three copies of The Punisher, two or three copies of X-Men, Spider-Man, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't cry about it. As a matter of fact, I kind of prefer to have one or two left over. Yeah, because you know somebody's going to come in someday and just like try to uh, fill in some of their holes. And I've got yeah, two, one or two copies. That's what she said. I'm Liz Brooks, and welcome to K-Pop Corner. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about something that is very, very important to K-Pop and is also a bit of my reasoning for uh, my brief hiatus from the podcast. Uh, And today we're going to be talking about social media and the influences thereof through K-pop. So today we're going to go ahead and get started with just the basic facts. Obviously, K-pop would be nothing recognizable if it wasn't for social media. And with it, the push of globalization and social media platforms. Now, K-pop, of course, for me, is something that started, well, I couldn't have done it without the internet. I initially really got into Korean pop music through a Korean drama that a lot of people's first Korean drama, it was um, Boys Over Flowers uh, with Lee Min-ho as the lead, and he was gorgeous, still is, and he just recently celebrated his birthday, and I'm very happy for him. Happy birthday! But um, there are quite a few differentials and strange things that a lot of people don't think about in social media in relation to K-pop. One of the biggest fundamental is the ability for K-pop artists, once they reach a certain level of notoriety and success, to be able to have their own narrative and story. They can break out of what a lot of people do treat as a negative side of K-pop, which is the overmanufacturing of authenticity. A good way of putting that, it's the examples like the K-pop face. Double eyelid surgery, surgery to make your nose skinnier, surgery to strengthen your jaw, the V-line surgery, something to make every single idol look pretty much exactly alike. Um, you see this more uh, in female groups than in male. 
Um, which is interesting because you see the highest top tier performers having the most individuality. You see BTS, you say Blackpink. Each member is just a completely different vibe, a completely different versatility, and, and, and have each member has their own aesthetic that you can kind of just follow from there. Now, something that has been harder and better in a lot of ways in social media is because of this demand of individuality. It has brought to the surface a lot of middle-level issues that quite frankly, don't get addressed enough in Western society, even through K-pop. And that is not only how one looks, but the need to toe the line. A very good example of some of the things that have happened over the years has been an emphasis on the Me Too movement finally coming into South Korea. Um, now, what does this play into social media and how looks and aesthetics fall into it? In K-pop, it's really fundamentally important. You really aren't a top-tier AAA K-pop group unless you've broken into the Western market, even in some small way. Um, famously, my favorite K-pop group, VIX, was the first K-pop group to perform at a convention, and they performed um, at Anime X in Los Angeles. Uh, like two years after they de they debuted, which was amazing. Um, because you have to imagine at, I don't know, 19, uh, traveling across the world to perform in front of like hundreds, thousands of people that don't even speak the same language as you, and yet they adore you. Um, so the narrative uh, can be jarring, to say the least. But when Western ideals start having an influence in the K-pop industry you do see a lot of changes happen very quickly and very fundamentally. One of those, again, that is a good example of that is the Me Too movement. Now, specifically in regards to K-pop, I want to be very, very careful because I don't have the exact specifications of some of the cultural ramifications of sexual harassment and what people deal with that, at least in South Korea. But... I do exist in the world, um, and I am a lady in the world, so I do have fundamental understandings of a lot of problems. Um, and uh, there's a lot of K-pop artists that I personally identify with because through the, K through the Me Too movement in K-pop, they've been able to have their voices heard. And it's fascinating to me that somebody that is younger than me in a completely different country, has a completely different upbringing and a completely different culture and language and religion, um, you know, that we can still have shared experiences. Um, one of my bigger, uh, more favorite um, K-pop, well, she's not a K-pop idol as such. She is, but her name is Jessie um, and she interviews a lot of uh, K-pop idols. And she, quite frankly, is just the bee's knees. She's so cool. And I can't really get over just how amazing she is. But she very famously has a story about um, an ex-boyfriend of hers that uh, after they, she dumped him, after she dumped him, 
He um, took all of her nudes and spread them all over online and threatened to ruin her career. And I personally also know what it feels like to have a spurned lover um, try to personally hurt me and and ruin me. And and Jesse specifically through K-pop, I can't imagine how hard it must have been for her to have to deal with that. Uh, because she, you know, large in part, um, 2000 years of filial piety can really dictate a lot of misogynistic tendencies in society. And she managed to not only call him out, have everybody on her side, like being like, no, that guy's a dick and be able to work harder in making people be better to treat females uh, performers better and be able to point out like this guy is not some wounded man that I hurt. This man is a selfish jerk who is only concerned with owning me. Uh, I believe her exact phrasing in her post that she said is this man only ever wanted to own me. And because he doesn't have the opportunity anymore to use me as he sees fit, which is essentially as his emotional support girlfriend, he has decided to try and destroy me with the one thing that he can never have again, which is my body, my mind, and my soul. And I always find it very, very fascinating. And as we start exploring more things and more ideas when it comes to K-pop, you can start seeing because the rise of K-pop is so influenced by a globalized society through the internet, that a lot of these stories are overlapping regardless of who is saying it. So then the question becomes, where can we go from here? Um, Not just in K-pop, but in society in general. I personally think um, believing the old adage, where there's smoke, there's fire. I think every woman deserves the right to be able to say her experience, for sure. And I think if there are multiple women that are saying this man is creepy, this man is cruel, this man was doing very, very sketchy things to try and bring me down so that he could make himself feel better... It's important to listen and it's important to believe people when they say these things. In K-pop, as in in the rest of society, I think that things are changing. Things are changing very rapidly. Um, And I know that this wasn't an entire segment on the music side of things, but I think that this is nonetheless even super, 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 super important right now that people know that The Me Too movement changed things. Even something as strange and wild and undefined as Korean pop music, it's changed. And it's going to keep changing. So long as there are people that are strong enough to keep pushing on. Thank you guys so much, and I hope you have a good night. Yeah. And you sometimes do, um, are you doing any special covers, uh, re- uh, soon? So no, we, uh, 
during the pandemic, we had to quit doing a lot of the uh, the variant covers that we would do because they uh, they slowed down on the uh, comic book conventions. So okay. twenty twenty was a wash. You know, there was no San Diego Comic Con, there was New York, New, no New York Comic Con, no yeah. Heroes Con, no uh, Dragon Con. So yeah. a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, um, variant covers that we would do, store exclusives, we would do. We would do them in conjunction with an artist, like let's say Mark Brooks or Adam Hughes, and okay. and they would take you know two thirds of the copies, and we would take a third, and they would take two thirds, and they would go sell them at conventions throughout the year. Well, since there were no conventions, uh, I wasn't able to uh, to offload two thirds of the comics. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah it, it just made it financially unfeasible uh, going forward for 2020. But hopefully okay. now that 2021 is back up and running, um, if we can get yeah, enough people. It seems people. like conventions are happening yeah. again. Yeah, and I think, they were just, I think they were just waiting until enough people got vaccinated and enough people, um, you know, uh, if, if enough states uh, got close to herd immunity that, uh, you know, because that's the thing. You want creators and celebrity guests to feel comfortable when they travel to your yeah, city yeah, yeah. and your state. Yeah, especially in a pandemic, because like if you ever go to a con mm-hmm. and you're talking to the artists, there's a lot of like handshaking. There's a lot of like leaning in close. You're elbow there's to elbow like, with yeah. people, and yeah, it's very, you're standing in lines for hours uh, next to people, strangers, you know. And uh, this guy's got a Chewbacca mask, but he looks like he's sick, you know. I mean, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, you know. And so yeah. it's all. I mean, he's busy sweaty because the mask. Is he sweaty because he's got COVID? So yeah. um, a lot of it's just you know. I think. Um, I think as the as the year gets uh, later in the year and into next year, you'll see a lot more conventions start to uh, crank back up. Yeah, because I think a, a, a few of the big ones are doing like maybe one or two this year, but next year I think they're hoping that things are where they can start. I think DragonCon is back this year, right? Yeah, DragonCon's back it, this year. It, it is, um, but with a limited. I think they're doing like a limited schedule. Yeah, they haven't announced okay. like what the uh, capacity is going to be. They're going to have a more limited this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are announcing guests, like they're getting. Like I think Zachary Levi is coming, so they're going to have guests, but cool. they're also going to, between between uh, panels, they're going to be doing deep cleans. Uh, they're going to do less of like fan booths this year. Um, a lot of the twenty-four hour yeah. gaming stuff, they're not going to be able to run because the deep cleans were uh, so yeah, um, yeah. stuff stuff they used to do from like one in the morning where they show like um, toxic event, toxic Avenger or something uh, movies. You know yeah. that stuff's going to be shut down because. Really? The deep clean is going to be going on from like a smaller. Um, that's that's the part that's going to kind of bum my friend Jason out because his favorite part of Dragon Con was after uh, ten at night. Oh that's yeah, when they would have the raves. The that's the best. That's sexy, the best uh, lingerie shows. The yes. wrestling. Yes. Um, yeah, some amazing stuff would happen after ten because that's when it becomes more the adult convention. And, well, um, and, and Dragon Con's always been uh, at least not always, but here in the last 15, 20 years, it's, it's definitely much more of a social convention now. Oh yeah, it, I mean it's it a lot really of people. It, it is a lot of people that they know each other. They go every year, um, you know, and, and and it's become kind of the Oscars of cosplay. Yeah, it's uh, the first year I went. Uh, me and Jason just randomly on a Saturday decided, hey, let's go do Dragon Con, and this was back in two thousand two, two thousand three. So it was where it was still manageable. I think where it's like only 20, 30,000 people there for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was still kind of uh, shocked us just how crazy it was at one point, like idiots, we were up in a hotel room and we were like, Hey, let's order a pizza. Oh yeah. And it how, took us forever. How long did that take? Find. Oh, it took a couple hours. Yeah. Cause yeah. we had to figure a place for the pizza guy to find us. Cause the pizza guy goes, I'm not going to make it up this elevator guys. No. Um, yeah. It's uh, are you doing any cons this year? 
So I, I am going to try and do, I think, Fanboys coming up on Halloween weekend. Um, okay. Uh, and it's just like a mile from my store, so I, I feel kind of obligated to do it. But um, okay. but I'm hoping, you know, at that point, you know, it'll be late enough in the summer, and hopefully the between the vaccinations and the heat, the, the virus will be won't be as bad as it is. Um, but now, you know, I'm but then again, I'm surprised because uh, Bill Shatner's going to be there, and uh, he's 92 years old, and so if he's comfortable, I guess yeah. being around, uh, you know, so, uh, I guess it must be safe. They're going to have some crazy like protocol because I think when I went and saw Stanley, that was when he was 96, right? And I was worried the whole time if I got sick and I got him sick and I was the one that killed Stanley, I would never be able to forgive myself. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> But I hope the good thing with it being in late October, because me and Scott once went one oh, year together, God. and that was the year that the um, AC was out and the in the blazing summer. Oh yeah. So if it wasn't that we were there for a friend for for a specific reason, we would have left. Oh God, yeah, we would have. But we we're good yeah. friends. Yeah, there yeah. was one point we were in the line waiting to get to where we buy the tickets, and we had been in that line for an hour and it had barely moved, and I was dying. And we get yeah. up to the water fountain. I'm like, oh, thank God, water! And the damn water fountain was turned off. <laughs> and I yeah, also Ron no. Perkins out of the deal though. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, tell like, you, uh, Bill, you have two really good celebrity encounters from. Uh, from the comic conventions that I'd like you to share. Uh, tell us the maniac cop story first. Cause that's one of my favorites. So the maniac cop, well, it wasn't, it wasn't me. It was, it was a friend of mine, but, uh, and I, I don't even remember the gentleman's name and I, I'm assuming he was maniac cop in, um, and maybe at all. I don't of think maniac that was cop. his name. Well, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. I'm saying in the films, I, I, I guess he was maniac cop in all the movies. I'm not sure how many maniac cop films were there. I'm looking I, now, I bet he got typecast as maniac cop. So he's at a convention and uh, and he goes by and he does that move where you kind of the guy's wanting twenty dollars for a photograph, but it's a maniac cop. So he does that move to where he takes out his cell phone and he kind of walks by, you know, real kind of uh, secretively, and uh, snaps a photo of maniac cop. And uh, he keeps walking, you know, and just on the down low and just acts like nothing happens. And uh, and he's walking out of the convention room and he's headed back toward the uh, the bathrooms. And he gets, uh, he gets like maybe two steps into the, the men's bathroom and there's a hand on his shoulder and he turns around and it's maniac cop. <laughs> and so it's him and maniac cop. And there's no, he says, it's just, and there's no one else in the bathroom. It's just them two. And, uh, maniac cop goes, Hey, uh, that's going to be $20. And at first he thinks maniac cops proposition him. Cause it's just them two in a bathroom, right? He's asking for 20 bucks and he's like, okay, this huh. is weird. And he goes, well, what do you mean? Uh, he goes, what are you talking about, Maniac Cop? Maniac Cop goes, well, it's going to be 20 bucks for the uh, the photo that you snapped. And that's when he realized that Maniac Cop had called him, you know, with the the, the photo. And so yeah. he goes, uh, he goes, what photo? He goes, that photo on your cell phone. He goes, don't be smart with me. And my buddy's, he, he, he pulls up his, his phone and he goes, this photo right here? And so, matter of fact, goes, yeah. And then he hits the trash button right in front of Maniac Cop and just deletes it. And, uh, and so I guess, you know, it just goes to show you that, you know, the law's not always right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's a maniac cop. I mean. Uh, oh. But to answer your question, it's a trilogy. There's Maniac Cop 1. Okay. Uh, which came out in 88. Maniac Cop that, 2 that came out in uh, 1990. And then Maniac Cop 3, Badge of Silence, which was 1993. There was a third one. There's three. Um, Now, Maniac Cop, it's kind of surprising. It got a sequel 
because um, its budget was 1.1 million and its box office was only 671,000. But I guess maybe it did well on video. I bet it did well overseas or at Blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, let's make it a Blockbuster night. Rent <laughs> 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 um, now, the second story you have, I think, is like probably one of my favorite stories. Didn't you meet uh, the lead singer of Kiss? Gene Simmons, yes. So he was a uh, he was a, a guest of honor maybe three or four years ago, and uh, me and my friend Fred were set up. We had our booth, and um, Gene at this point was walking around the convention, and he had a large security detail with him, like a, he had a uniformed uh, Knoxville police officer, and a couple of the volunteer guys wearing the jackets that say security, you know, the the generic jackets, like the, you like, see like the, the wrestling shows, that come like out the takedowns. Yes, almost like the jacket. Yes, like the jacket they give. Uh, they gave Loki except instead of variant, it says like security, like just a generic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, generic jacket. And um, and so he's walking around and he comes up to our booth and uh, he, he starts digging through comics because Gene's a huge comic book fan and his and his son. He finds a copy of uh, what was it? Was it Micronauts or um, <clears throat> I forget the issue now. And he, uh, me and Fred are standing there. And he holds it up, and he goes, uh, "He goes, gentlemen, uh, do you know who uh, who drew this comic book?" And uh, and Fred goes, "I think it was Herb Trimpe, Mister Simmons." And he goes, uh, "Incorrect." He goes, "It was Alfredo Acala." And so uh, we open up the comic, and we look, and uh, drawn by Herb Trimpe. Fred was right. Ooh. Gene was wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. but 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 Gene, <laughs> to his credit points at the credit page of the comic. He goes, oh, but look. And it said, Eat by Alfredo Acala. And uh, uh, yes, he had mixed up the, the inker and the artist. And um, and he goes, uh, do you know why this uh, this comic, um, they don't make this comic anymore? And I said, no, sir, Gene, I don't. And he says, uh, because uh, I'm polite, you know, I, I mean, with, with, and, uh, and he goes, um, because the fans have spoken and the sales were, were low. He says, uh, if, if this were a, desire, a truly desirable comic, it would still be in publication. It would still be around today. It would still be on tour making music. You know, he's, he goes in, and I kind of imagine this was like the, the conversation he has with his family at Thanksgiving when they're telling that Kiss isn't relevant anymore. And he's, right. you know, he's telling them, like, listen, you know, all the little bands are done. I'm still out here, you know, making music. You know, Kiss is still. And, um, and so then, at, 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 yeah, and so then after he disses this book, he goes, uh, he goes, how much? Uh, how much for the issue? And uh, and I, I and I so wanted to sell this book to Gene Simmons because that would be the cherry on the the, the story Sunday, right? You know, I, I finished the story yeah, yeah, with. Yeah. And so I, I think I I, I, want, I I may have had like eight or ten dollars on it, but I wanted to sell to Gene. And and I know that Gene is notoriously thrifty. So yeah, yeah. I told Gene, I said three dollars. I said I said for you, Gene. I said three bucks. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, did you not just hear what I said about the fans? And like, and he, he, he said, this is a canceled book. He said, I'll give you like a dollar. And um, Wait, this, is, this is Gene Simmons. He's coming back at me with the argument okay. about how the fans have spoken. The fact that they don't make <laughs> Micronauts anymore is indicative of the quality of the, the comic. And wow. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For and fuck, um, for fuck's sake, Gene, you have, th- you have three bucks. So, 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 so Gene... He uh he gets the comic you know for a dollar the crowd he 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 turns he leaves the crowd disperses the KPD guy that was the secu- the security guy after everybody leaves he comes up to us and he uh he leans over the table to me and Fred and he goes hey uh, you guys should be honored and I said I beg your pardon 
And he says, yeah, he says, I've been jeans on gene security all day. And, uh, um, he only takes his uh, sunglasses off for uh, good looking women. And, uh, you're, he took his sunglasses off for you guys. So oh, nice. I, don't know, I don't know what that means in the whole scheme of things. Like if it was, uh, like if it meant Gene respected us or that, you know, we were cute, for, we were cute on the comic book vendor scale. You and Fred <laughs> Bailey are babes. Let's just be honest here. So, but the, 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 the police officer seemed very impressed that Gene had taken his sunglasses off while he had conversed with us for 10 minutes because apparently he only did that with hot chicks. So here's the question. Do we yeah. call to consider that a draw between him and Fred? No, I get Fred. I get Fred the W. Okay. Yeah, Fred was hundred percent right, and Gene. Uh, Gene did manage to stay face, but even then, yeah. when he uh, when he got the Alfredo Collar right, he goes. Um, he goes. You know, Alfredo Collar is famous for doing a lot of the. Um, uh, oh, he goes the uh, the Doom Patrols with the uh, the Professor, and Doom Patrol is not the Professor. That's that's Challenger. Uh, that's um, the Doom Patrol is the Chief. The Professor was. Um, Challenger of the Unknown? I think it was Challenger of the Unknown, yeah. Okay. This is why we need Fred Bailey on this podcast. He would know. Yeah. Gene, Gene was wrong twice, is my point. Yeah. I can't believe he haggled you. This man is the man that's put his put kiss on coffins. I mean, yeah. yeah. He has no, he's, money. He was, that $2 um, was going to make or break him, though. Yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, one of our former guests that we've had on the show here that works for The Walking Dead is in and, and is also in a really great uh, acapella group called Traffic Jam, I believe it was. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, Tavis, uh, one of his first jobs in Hollywood in production was he worked on the uh, the Gene Simmons Family Jewels show. I bet that was fantastic. Yeah, he's got <laughs> some fun stories. You know, you got <laughs> Shannon Tweed. And and, I, and from what I understand, it was, a, it was an open marriage, right? Or is an open marriage? Now, Shannon Tweed, is that Charlie? That, no, that's not, she's not related to Charlie Manson, right? The no, but that's Gene's. I'm somebody else. Okay, I, that was. I guess they're still married, but that was Gene's wife for a long time on Family Jewels. Okay, yep. Gene Simmons still going strong. Him, Alice Cooper, and Ozzy Osbourne. You would think the way they lived their life back in the '70s that they'd all three be dead by now. Absolutely, it's nuts because uh, wrestlers die left and right. But um, those yeah. guys, man, you can't kill them. I mean, you would think that. Uh, mm. But uh, but they're still yeah still going. Oh, and R.I.P. Uh, Paul Orndorff, who passed away today. Mr. Wonderful. Yep. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, he oh, no. was like one of my, f- I think, favorite first heels when I was growing up because him and Hogan had some really good feuds, and I, I despised Hulk Hogan <laughs> as a child. I guess I could see what Hogan really was. I was not enamored by ever like everybody else right was. Through that act, right? Yeah, when they did this thing where um, – there was like uh, the evil referee who came down and l- allowed Andre the Giant to beat Hulk Hogan. Mm. I screamed in my brother's faces laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but now, to your credit, you also, to your credit, Ron, you also never watched the Cosby show. So I'll give you credit for that, too. Wait, I watched the Cosby show. You were very early on the Cosby thing. You told me uh, early on when A Different World came out, you're like, uh, F this stuff, man. I'm not watching this. Yeah, wait, no. Why? Is that you? <laughs> There you go. That, that could be me. Never mind. That, that, was, my, that, that okay. was my mom. I'm mixing it up. That was my mother. I'm not your mom. <laughs> that was my mother. She was very early on the call. I tell you to eat your vegetables and go to bed at a reasonable time? Yes. But that doesn't make me your, mo- your mom. Your mom. That's just you looking out for your friend, man. That's yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And, so, and, now, and, can, can, and now he's a free man. Can you believe that? 
I, that, I, I can't. I I can, but only because I understand the actual like the law side of it. So I understand it's, the law side of it, but in the in the cosmic, the balance, the the, the scales, yeah. you know, the the. the it, it just seems so uh, blatantly unfair that, um, yeah. I mean, not on the Anne Frank level of unfairness, but, uh, but just so, <laughs> but just so blatantly unfair. But, um, yeah. And, and, and it makes it weird now when I go back and I watch, you know, uh, picture pages or Fat Albert yeah. or, uh, uh, Cosby Show. Um, yeah. Well, or his old stand up, which or is his old, stand, his old stand up, which is fantastic. But um, yeah. you know but, now all the the banal the shtick about you know pull your pants up, have some self respect, you know, yep. uh, get off welfare. That stuff seems kind of kind of which is out. the reason I think the whole reason why some people are okay with with uh, like that that like Bill Cosby because he said that kind of stuff that they agree with. I think that they yeah, it, it's a weird thing to see people in the comment section that were happy that Bill Cosby got got released. It just uh, it kind of blew well, my mind. I'm not. I'm not happy he got released. Yeah. However, I am. The way that they, the way that they did get him put in jail, was a little underhanded. Yeah. And so I am glad that if like, I, I'm, I'm happy to know that if something like that were to happen to one of us, there the, are to an actual innocent are, person. Well, if, if, to, to innocent or you know, but still that. Doing doing yeah. it by the book is important. Oh, it, um, it absolutely there is. Was a, there was a local there's a local case that uh, comes up. It keeps getting brought up a bunch, especially by weird right wing uh, conspiracy theorists. Uh, uh, Chris, the Christian Newsom murders. Mm-hmm. Um, when when they you know they 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 got conv- the murderers got convicted, but then it came out that the judge that was proceeding over the case was abusing painkillers while the trial was going on so they had to throw out the verdict because it was compromised and on one hand again i i feel terrible that the family had to go through the entire rigmarole again yeah but i'm glad to know that if a fucking judge was on drugs (laughs) that we we would throw that throw that verdict out yeah it's weird it's just kind of it's just weird. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's um, a new it's a nuance of the law that that it's a nuance of the law that I'm I'm it upsets me that it gets you know abused, but I'm 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 still just glad it exists. The good thing I guess is that Bill Cosby will be dead soon. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean we all die. What? We all die one I day. Would, only I would the good trade, die young. I would trade right now to bring Casey Kasem back if we could just go ahead and let Bill Cosby die. I would trade their <laughs> soul. I mean, it is it is it is a weird victory tour he's taking. You have to admit, um, you know, going around and and um, I mean, so it yeah, taking taking Boston's perspective, you know, in in a a weird sense, I guess uh, there is a sense of justice that was done. But if I was in Cosby's shoes and I got off on this most technical technical technicalities, I wouldn't be doing the victory lap. You know, what I'm saying like no, I would, no. I, I wouldn't be out there with Felicia Rashad on you know doing these things, talking about my upcoming stand-up tour and whatever. I would be embarrassed, and I would just kind of sh- I'll shuffle but off. The thing and- is, he's such a sociopathic monster that he just doesn't feel it. I mean, he, I mean, sixty women came for it. Right, right. Like, I mean, so, so, yeah. so this is the thing. I mean, let's. So he, 
he got off on technicality, but for the most part, he is the, one of the world's greatest serial rapists, right? I mean, if we are doing a body count, I mean, there's not many people. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, there's yeah. not many people. I mean, I guess you could go back to maybe like Attila the Hun, Genghis Khan, that kind of thing. But um, yeah. you'd, you'd have to go back pretty far to find someone who's who's perpetually raped women as long as Bill Cosby has, according to according to Bill Cosby's testimony. Um, but now, yeah, it- but that being said, I still love to stand up. <laughs> it's so yeah, it's- uh, so I, it's hard to separate the art from the artist. But you kind of now uh, you know it's like the people who stop listening to R. Kelly songs. I mean, did did he, did he pee on little girls? Yeah, he pees on little girls. Uh, but people love that. Uh, so I think I can fly a song. Um, yeah. It's like one of those things that's really weird because like you hear everything that comes out about like Warren Ellis and well, I still watch yeah. Castlevania. I still love like transmit metropolitan. Right. It's just one of those things where sometimes it's hard to separate the art from the artist. Like, yep. I don't know if I could ever again, watch Cosby stand up. In fact, I know I probably never will again. Right. Um, like I saw Baby Driver was on TV the other night, and just right. seeing like Kevin Spacey, um, it was just kind of odd. So I what, don't know. What yeah, about when ahead. you watch? What, what about when you uh, watch? Um, uh, oh, what was the uh, Usual Suspects? I've not seen that again, and it's probably gonna be a movie that we're gonna do for Movie Pals. But it's gonna be hard because of who cool. or what Kevin Spacey's done. It's not like Kevin Spacey, but uh, Brian Singer, right? Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, you got a movie basically directed by a monster starring a monster. Um, yeah, and he still works. Brian Singer still makes movies. I think he got removed from Flash Gordon. I don't think he's making anything now. I thought he made mm-hmm. something like about a year ago. Maybe there's Maybe something in the there. May you may be right. There may have been something that come out that had been in the hamper that had been in the works. But I think coming up in the future, I, I don't know if he has anything on IMDb. Are they actually trying to do, bring back um, Flash Gordon? Yeah. I oh mean, boy. because that's one of those movies that if you think about it, so the Queen soundtrack's awesome, right? But yeah. and, and Max von Sydow's fantastic as Ming the Merciless. But the movie's flawed. Yeah. I mean, the movie could have been better. It was, it was still kind of campy. I mean, Flash Gordon doesn't have to be campy. It can be done seriously. Do you think um, he was like um, mm. suggested to do Flash Gordon? You said Queen, and looking at IMDb, the last movie that Brian Singer directed was uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Ah, that's funny. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he did Bohemian Rhapsody. He did an episode of The Gifted, and then before that was um, X Men Apocalypse. So Bohemian Rhapsody probably filmed what three or four years ago? I'd say was that the what's his yeah. name? Yeah. So yeah, yeah it yeah. was uh, 2018. Rami yeah. Malek. Rami Malek. So yeah. yeah. And, even on Bohemian, I can't remember. Did they remove him as director and bring someone to finish the film? Not, of course. According to this, he's got the okay. one credit for Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. Um, but it may be because, like, um, I know Mick G ran into a lot of uh, questionable trouble too, but he's still he's directing a lot of like Netflix uh, straight to Netflix stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's probably the appropriate platform for Mick G. Scott, give us a topic that's less sad. <laughs> Man, Bill Cosby turned this conversation dark. Right. Uh, no, no. Uh, so who's killing the children? How's that turning out? <laughs> what was that, Boston? Uh, something, something's killing the children. How's that, how's that so, what you doing? That's turning out really well for Ryan. I sold some uh, some early editions of that book to uh, Bill and got me some nice credit for the store. That's going to keep me go. going for a couple months. Um, there you go. Who's picked that up? Like, I think didn't they just like attach um, the director of Doctor Sleep? Yeah, the writer, I think, it was the writer for Doctor okay. Sleep. 
Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I mean, um, I mean, you do want a horror writer. Oh, for we, got, we got Stephen King. That's awesome. <laughs> no, no. Um, so explain to the, uh, the audience like what something is killing the children is, uh, Bill. So it's um, it's James Tinian's creator own book, and um, I guess the best way to describe it, there's a female protagonist named Erica Slaughter. Um, she moves to this town. Um, she's kind of a, I guess, what would you say, maybe a Buffy equivalent, Ron? Similar to a, sort of like a Buffy, like a little darker Buffy. It reminds it reminds you a lot of Buffy or Hack Slash. Yeah, yeah, Hack Slash is another one. Um, but it's it's uh, among the comic book world, it's kind of taken the a lot of comic book fans by storm, and um, it's so a lot of comics now when they come out, you can kind of tell that they're written as, as movie options. So let's say you have an idea. Let's say you're a screenwriter in Hollywood, and that's why a lot of these writers and comics are new today. You don't recognize their names. But let's say you're a screenwriter in Hollywood, and you have a script. You've been shopping around Hollywood, and you're just, you know, another guy in Hollywood with a script. Now, if you take that script, and you go and you have it made into a comic book or a graphic novel, um, you know, now Hollywood comes to you because uh, that's all Hollywood's doing is they have uh, all these streaming networks, and they're looking for intellectual property or content to uh, fill these streaming networks, these channels. So um, it's a lot easier if you're a screenwriter to get your movie made, believe it or not, if you have a, a comic done first. And so Something's Killing the Children is one of those comics to where when you read it, you're like, oh, I could tell this was probably a, a movie or a TV pitch, uh, just the way it read. And, um, and so a lot of comics are like that now. They'll, they'll publish for 12, 15 issues, and if they don't get an option, they'll just stop making it, and then the writer will go do something else. Uh, Cullen Bunn is a great example of that. Yeah, the the although it was one of the it was one of the better written, especially out the gate comics I've ever I've read in a while. Yeah, really well written and not af- not afraid to pull punches, but yeah, definitely uh, very cinematic in the way that it's presented and put together. Yeah, and, and uh, nice house on the lake is this new one. It, it's similar. Oh. It, it it hooks you with the first issue. The second issue is yeah. uh, not as fast paced, but uh, but I mean. These things but it's setting can, the table. It sets the table, and you, like I said, you can definitely, as you're reading it, 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 it reads very much like a storyboard, and it's very cinematic, and the way it's paced, and the way it's written. But I thought, like, another thing that's something that's killing the children did super well is it came mm-hmm. out, like, a couple months before the pandemic, and the lead yes. character wears a mask. Yes. So with, I, like, uh, like, some cool monster teeth look on it. That, and, I, and the other one, I'll tell you that, that was, that was similar. Um, I, I don't know if any of y'all read uh, Jeff Lemire's Sweet Tooth. Mm-hmm. It's a. It's also a Netflix show. I think on the first season, but um, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. producing. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, it was one that uh, was written completely before the pandemic, but the show focuses around a pandemic and um, what happens in America when um, this hybrid pandemic kicks in, and some people are afraid of the disease, and some people are figuring out how to live with the disease and the tensions that uh, that lie there within. But um, but when you when you watch the show or when you read the book, you're you, as you read it, you're just like you're amazed that somebody was that prescient to uh, to put that stuff down on paper, you know. That and then, then it, came, it came to pretty much came to pass like a year later, two years later. Yeah, the the kind of weirdest one was um, uh, there's a new comic book company that started called AWA, which started like about a month before the pandemic really hit. Which was and one of my favorite old wrestling guys. federations, by the way. I love the AWA. Wait, was it? Is it not AWA? Is that not the name of the? It is, but they, you know, okay. for, for me, that for yeah, me, yeah, the yeah. AWA was like Scott Hall and Rick Rude and uh, yeah. Abdul the Butcher. 
But one of the books that comes out is uh, J. Michael Stravinsky's uh, The Resistance. Yeah. And the first issue is about a pandemic that wipes out like a part of the world. Um, and this book literally shipped, I think, three weeks before the pandemic hit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was on my stack for a while. And I think I read it like mid-April or May. Yeah. Um, and it was hard to get through because I was like – this isn't fantasy. Well, until the superheroes show up at the end, but you're like, this is not <laughs> this real, is, real life, David. Yeah. yeah, this is this is odd. You, you, you want to know the oddest case of that was a, a heavy metal magazine that I, I bought a collection of heavy metals. It came out, I think, in 1989 or 1990. And in this heavy metal magazine, there was a story called um, "The Wall" featuring Donald Trump. And the story, now keep in what? mind, it, yeah, oh yeah, 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 keep in mind the story is written oh, in 1990. Oh, yeah, you, I have heard, okay, I have heard of this, yeah. And it's called The Wall, and in this story, him and Leona, or him and, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of Leona Helmsley's husband's name. He was, uh, Leona Helmsley's husband, her and her husband, were they were large New York uh, real estate developers. And um, in the story, Helmsley and Trump go together, and they decide they're going to build a wall and wall off the rich part of New York from the poor part of New York. And so, and so he, he's got the, he goes around and he's, he's talking about, he wants to build this wall. And so he builds the wall and, um, eventually the poor people bomb the wall. They, uh, they get Leona, they get Leona Helmsley and the, her husband. And I think they string them up, but Trump escapes in the sewers with Mike Tyson. Don't ask me why this is 1989, <laughs> 1990, but Mike Tyson's there wearing a beret. And him and wow. him and Mike Tyson escape in the sewers, and um, as one does. And then at the end of the story, Trump runs for president. That's oh. insane. Yeah, I remember you had that book at one time in the store. I did. I was showing it to people because it was just so crazy that people wouldn't believe me. On on one hand, it's it's be- it's beautifully prophetic. On the other hand. It, if you if you throw enough darts, like there's so many different uh, possible future comics out there, like one of them had to be right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the uh, the meme The Simpsons did it when like all this stuff like The Simpsons predicted starts yeah. to come true. Um, yeah, it's bizarre. What other uh, big books are there right now, Bill? If somebody wanted to get into reading comics, like um, so uh, right now um. On the DC, the, the DC end, uh, Batman is uh, is probably the biggest seller. Uh, okay. Justice League, um, and but then you get into like I said, some of the um, the creator owned stuff, like Nice House on the Lake, is a, is probably the most popular current DC independent book. Uh, nice, non superhero. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, Image right now. Um, so in the early nineties, Image the the name told you everything about the the company. It was it was like Andre Agassi. On. Image is everything. And um, it was all about, yeah, the art and the story was secondary. Now, Image is probably one of the best companies for story-driven uh, comics. Wouldn't you say, Ron? Yeah, it's basically Image has became the new Vertigo. The new Vertigo. So something like Stray Dogs or something like um, uh, Middle West. Cough Invisible Cough. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, and part of it's just because of the success that Kirkman had there with Walking Dead. And he made yep. such a, uh, a mountain of money that other creators are instantly drawn to that. And they want to have Walking Dead 2.0 or 3.0. Or, um, yep. And Image was smart to bring him in as a founder at that point. Yeah, yeah. Give him that honor. 
Right, right. It definitely. It's almost like a uh, a successful version of slave labor graphics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, Invincible's doing really well for you right now. I bet. So right now, anything that has a uh, TV show, movie, um, not even that's out, but even that's on the horizon. So right now, I'm selling a lot of uh, stuff with um, Hawkeye because people are getting ready for the Hawkeye yep. Elena Elena Belova story. Yes. Um, um, and so people, so not only do people uh, actively buy what's what's on currently on on air, but they also actively buy stuff that's coming out because they want to get ahead on, um, you know, when they're at work at the water cooler with their friends, and they can be like, "Well, I can tell you what's going to happen if you want to know." You know, they yeah yeah yeah, it, it's kind of a power move, and so uh, a lot of people kind of like to cheat and read ahead, even though I tell them, you know, the show is going to be different and won't follow this exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, they, uh, they still like to have the broad strokes. And I guess we have Why the Last Man in September. Ooh, that's going to be oh, really, really good. Yeah. Why? Yeah, Hulu's doing Why the Last Man. <gasps> yeah. How did okay. I miss this? So Boston knows. Uh, Scott, do you know about Why the Last Man? No, no. Tell me. So it's about a magician named Yurik that has a pet monkey, Ampersand. Yorick. Mm-hmm. Yorick. Yeah. Is it York? It's Yorick. Like uh, like Ampersand. Shakespeare. Like Shakespeare. Okay. Um, Both him and his sister are named after Shakespeare characters. Okay. Wait. I might have been a fanboy. Okay. His name is Ampersand, right? His Ampersand is the monkey. Like the uh, the symbol. Okay, I meant to say. Sorry. Yurik is... Okay. So, um, basically, everybody on the planet that is a male dies. Except for... Except for Yurik. And and the monkey, yeah. And he's trying to get to Australia where his girlfriend is. And he's got to deal with, you know, obviously he's got the cool stuff where all the girls want to have sex with him. But he's also got a group that his sister's in that believe that's a cult that believes that um, that Mother Nature wanted all men to be killed because of just all the wars and all the conflict that men have caused. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of great. Uh, the it memorial, was? the memorial to men becomes the Washington Monument. Right. Yeah, it sort of makes oh, sense. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I forgot yeah. about that part. It's super good. I think it ran yeah. for 60 issues. It did. It's, got, it's just perfect all the way through. And it was, uh, I think oh, it was wow. written by okay. Brian K. Vaughn, who also, yep. didn't he write some of the Lost episodes? I forget. Yeah, he worked on Lost. And oh, did he? he yeah, uh, he did. Toward the toward the end, I think. Yeah, and he's um, got another really good book right now, which I think has been on a hiatus for about three years now, called Saga. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is an, another really good yeah, image he's, book. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn has done some amazing stuff. Uh, Pride of Baghdad is still one of my favorite standalone oh. comics ever written. Yeah, it's um, so good. Pride of Baghdad, uh, Ex Machina. Yeah, which I think at one point was going to be a show. Yeah, I, I, it was. It was going to be, uh, but I, I think I can't remember who who ended up drop, dropping it. Yeah, it was, uh, and it's an uh, Eggmachnia, just for those who don't know, is not like like the movie Eggmachnia. It's more like a political show about a guy who can, who has powers that runs for mayor. Of New yeah, York, he, he's, he effectively, yeah, he, he, he gets this alien, this alien power to control all technology and uses it to save the city and then runs for mayor, or maybe been the other way around. Was running for mayor and then saved the city, and everyone's like, "Well, fuck it, we'll vote for him." Um, yeah, but it's so great too because the one of the one of the biggest villains he has to deal with are these cult of luddites that are like 
they 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 don't trust they don't trust him, and so they attack him with like medieval technology. <laughs> Like they come at him with crossbows and and slings oh. and uh, maces because he uh, he can't. It's he can the talk one thing to he, machines. He can, he can talk to machines and like communicate with them and and command them uh, almost like Aquaman, but for you know iPhones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But even like he can if if he can also do like the Magneto thing where like oh you're all aiming AK, AK you're all aiming assault rifles at me. You're they're all jammed now. Nice. Yeah, it's. So that, so that's why they come in with like this medieval technology that he can't communicate with. I imagine sooner or later they're gonna somebody's gonna pick it up because I think it just has like it could be it could be a pretty cool story because I think well, it, it's set in ultra because I think the thing that makes him big is he prevents nine eleven right. Well, one think, of the yeah. towers that I think that was the end of the first issue. You turn the last page and there's still one tower that's left. I think one tower drops. Okay. But I think he saves one tower or something. Something happens. Okay. One tower saves. Yeah. Most, as I as I understand it, most most stories end up end up doing it like that because there there was allegedly there was no way we could know we could have known before at least one of the towers fell. So that's usually how most most places play it. Which yeah. I still love. I still love the way the I still love the boys. <laughs> it's like well, we, we mm, the Brooklyn Bridge is gone. <laughs> The um, and uh, the boys is I think a better show than it was a comic. That's I, I do like. The show. I like all of the changes they did to the. I, I like all the changes they did in the show. Yeah, have you watched the show yet, Scott? Oh yeah, I I, I, I never read the comics, so I, I can just base off the show, and I absolutely love the show. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the it's it's again it's the uh, it's it's the time frame mm-hmm. for. For the story they needed to tell in the book, they did exactly what they needed to do to to get it to work right. For yeah. the story they wanted to tell in the show, by underpowering by underpowering the boys and only giving them the female as like an actual like soup, mm-hmm. uh, it really helped sell the story that they were trying to tell in that. And that's because the 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 core concept the. The core pitch is the same yep. that they're supposed to be keeping an eye on the soups, yeah. but the way they had to approach it for the show is so different that I think yeah. they did a real good job of, of that adjusting. Yeah, I think so. They, they did a way better job than they did adapta- adapting a preacher. That's yeah. still just really I still need, to, I still need to actually see. I still need to actually catch up on preacher. I've heard mixed reviews. It makes me sad what they did with preacher. It's so weird because I love. Yep, go ahead. It's well. I was just gonna say. I mean, it's it is flawed. I mean, it it does get some things right, but with with preacher, I think what what disappointed everybody was that it it could have been so great. Like preacher as a as as a source material is is fantastic. Yep, Mm -hmm. it's got the one of the best endings ever in the ever ever horrible. Yes, which actually that's still that's still one of my favorite parts of Why the Last Man. Actually, is a fun fun trivia fact. Yorick has a Zippo with fuck communism written on it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's a nice nod to Preacher. Yeah. Uh, and it was, uh, it, was, it was a great nod, too, because they were like, it was like, fuck communism. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's from an old comic. Yeah. <laughs> Comics can say fuck? Man, comics yeah. can do a lot of things. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, I think Preacher was the first time I ever knew of, uh, oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name, of course, now. The comic, uh, 
No, the comedian uh, who Bill Hicks. Jesse Custer meets. Bill Hicks, uh, yeah. Bill Hicks. That's yeah. Why the, how I discovered Bill Hicks was from uh, reading mm-hmm. Creature Comic. Yeah. Um, that's back in the heyday of Vertigo. That's when Vertigo was on point. Yes. Um, and then near the end, Vertigo was kind of losing it a little bit. They try to resurrect some of their stuff by bringing back a lot of the Gaiman stuff uh, without right. Gaiman actually writing it, but I don't think it was mm-hmm. that good. Yeah, they were kind of scraping. They're kind of scraping the barrel. Although uh, Lucifer turned out okay, yeah. in my opinion. But yeah. a lot, of, a lot I, of it was good. And I have high hopes for the Sandman TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, I enjoyed watching people cry big dumb tears when they announced the cast. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so happy. And then to make it even worse was when they put their pronouns and people got mad about the because somehow now pronouns are political. Right, right. If you just sure. Yeah. You know what? Everything's political. Just deal with it. It's, yeah. Well, you know, breathing, Scott, breathing is political. Yeah, it's everything's everything's political. <laughs> Scott, you're speaking of political. Scott, you've oh. not had you've not talked a lot this episode. You, what, why don't you come up with the topic? What's our topic? We're gonna talk about puppies. Oh shit! Okay, I'm happy about this. We're talking about the fact that you need a corgi in your life. I really do need a corgi, but didn't you say corgis are super expensive right now? They're not super expensive. They're just super rare. Mm. It's very hard to Don't tell so, me that they're becoming an endangered species. I'll no, turn no, this podcast off right now. Not that they're an endangered species. They're just really just, – I guess they're just – people want them so much. They're just so hard to find. So. Now, you know who's got a really cute puppy? Uh, Mr. Bill here. He has a oh. um, uh, like a service dog fail. Uh, Aussie doodle. An Aussie doodle. Nice. Well, yeah, she, she's fantastic, Olivia Joe, um, and she so Olivia Joe can um, can smell low blood sugars. So you know how oh. dogs, you know, sometimes they train dogs to sniff like cocaine or they sniff, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, and it's the it's, uh, to wrap people out. Um, Just well, cocaine. <laughs> you try to be snitches. So this is the thing. Like if you're if you're a, if you're a sniffing dog, I mean, I guess it'd really be a cocaine sniffing dog than a bomb sniffing dog. Because the bomb sniffing dog, <laughs> there's a chance, you know, that something wrong goes wrong, yeah. right? Yeah, but if you're, 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 you're the drug sniffing dog, I mean, at worst, maybe you have a bad trip, you know, maybe they got. <laughs> but but my point being is that um, Living Joe can. Um, she's been trained to smell low blood sugars, and my oldest daughter has type one diabetes ever since she was three years old. Yeah, that's so awesome, buddy. So when Boy, she's it's awesome that his daughter's got type one diabetes. No, that, <laughs> no, the, the service dog. Older. Apparently, I just hate children, Bill. (laughs) No, no, no. I I understood what you meant. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off. uh, We have a few regulars uh, at uh, Tandy, where I work. We got a few regulars that have service dogs like that. Uh, One, one is for narcolepsy. One she has it for narcolepsy. Wow. And another bitch. (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, Another is yeah. She she carries. It's it's kind of weird because like I feel, I always feel a little uncomfortable because the dog just sits in a carrier by at her waist like a purse, right? Yeah. Um, it doesn't it doesn't walk around, just sits in that sits there and chills with her. Yeah. But the dog no can can sniff when she's about to uh, have a seizure or wow. oh wow uh, some something like that. And so she'll she'll start licking her hands and being like, oh, uh, cool, I'm about to pass out and then she can get like get every like literally gets like a pillow ready to the side and oh wow does it happen before in the store 
Uh, it has never happened in the store, but she said it's happened on uh, public transportation before. Whoa, wow. that's crazy. Yeah. What does your dog do, Bill, to, to alert you? What's, what's, what's the... So, she, really, she alerts Elizabeth, so uh, she'll paw her. And it's more for when she's sleeping, because um, yeah. the issue you worry about with a lot of diabetics is if they... Now, Elizabeth, it's not an issue. She's so young, but a lot of type 1 diabetics that live alone, if their blood sugar gets low while they're sleeping and uh, they live by themselves, uh, there's no one there to... Um, to kind of uh, call 911 if they go into a coma or if they don't wake up. Right. So uh, the service dogs are really, I mean, she'll probably um, take Olivia Joe with her when she moves away to college. Uh, but even then, she'll probably have a dorm mate, you know. So, um, But it's nice just to have the, the, the security blanket there of um, yeah, if, yeah. If, if for some reason, you know, uh, me and my wife are both asleep and we don't wake up and, we have an alert for when our blood sugar gets low that rings our cell phone. But, um, but yeah, so the, the main thing is she'll go and paw Elizabeth and wake her up. And Elizabeth will know at that point she needs to drink like an orange juice or uh, sure. eat a couple, eat a couple gummy awesome. bears. Or, but yeah, yeah, she, it's, yeah, it's almost yeah, like yeah. a, it's almost like a real life lassie. And how does yeah. your phone, how does your phone know? Does she have something like, like so she wears, work? yeah, she wears a device. It's called a continuous glucose monitor, a CGM. Okay. And so what it is, it's basically, it's a, um, it's probably about the size of maybe a half dollar and, uh, you wear it and it injects kind of a, a, a needle that stays in you for up to 14 days. Um, okay. but what that needle does is it takes a, uh, a blood glucose reading every five minutes and Bluetooth it to my phone and my wife's phone. So okay. for instance, before we had that, if I would send Elizabeth over to a sleepover, I'd always be nervous that, you know, in the middle of the night, her blood sugar was going to get low and uh, no one oh, there would know. Yeah. Uh, but now with this device, you know, she can go to sleepovers at her friend's house. They don't have to come to her house because uh, if something happens and it alerts my phone, I can um, I can call the parent. I can call Elizabeth and uh, she can treat the low. Which has got to be great for her, because like one thing I think kids hate is to be, you know, quote unquote different. Yeah. 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 So anything that kind of gets her to where. You know, she can eat the cupcake at the friend's birthday party or, um, you know, she can do, you know, the same things that her friends do. Then that's 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 kind of what we try to do. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, that's that makes yeah. a big difference, too, you know. Yeah. And also, yeah. It, it allows you to it allows you to keep an eye on her without having to actually helicopter, which is which is good. Right. And um, and she doesn't have to poke her fingers as much. So before the oh, CGM. Good. You know, she mm -hmm. would, anytime we want to check her blood glucose uh, number, she would have to uh, poke her finger, draw blood, and then take a little strip and put it in this thing and get a reading that I'm way. I'm so happy I'm not that bad yet. <laughs> and so, uh, so after a few years, you know, her fingers would get like these little black marks on the pads of her fingers, you know, just oh. where you develop scar tissue, you know, just naturally over time. Mm -hmm. And especially yeah. when you're diagnosed at, oh, from, your, especially from your third birthday, you know, it's real young. Yeah, to, uh, that young. Oh, wow. Yeah, that young, they probably developed. Mm. Yeah, so this is going to help. Mm. Hopefully, over time, we'll uh, alleviate some of the the scar tissue. And as long as you rotate sites with the, uh, the CGM when you wear it, you don't stick it in the same site. You won't develop scar tissue from wearing the device. So, and it's amazing. I tell you, I could go, I could go on this forever. But it's amazing this the science that they have now for not just for diabetics, but for you know Alzheimer's patients and the stuff they can do with stem cells. And uh, sure. it's really, really amazing. And um, I'm just hoping to live long enough to get either my consciousness transferred into a AI or to a uh, artificial uh, body, 
Or make sure Bill Cosby dies. Let Bill Cosby die before he technology. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, worst, the worst thing that happens is they come up with like the Benjamin Button pill. And they're like, we found a way to reverse aging, and Bill Cosby's going to be patient zero. He, 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 he volunteered to do it. <laughs> He's going to um, Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I could say just like just on your daughter, just one more second here. Yeah. Uh, like I, I've had the privilege to to know her, uh, I guess for quite a while now. Yeah. And to see her like from just a really little kid to now, and she is, she's a normal teenager. Oh yeah. Like every, every way, every way. Not yeah, her disease does not divine her in any any way. No, I mean every way a teenager is good and bad, she is that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, but, but you're right. She's, but it's normal in every sense. So that's, that's exactly, that's yeah. the, that's the most I could ask for. You know, I can't ask for an angel as a kid, but I could just ask for her to try and live as close to a normal childhood as you know possible. And she is right. very responsible with it. Cause we were, yeah. uh, we were at a Mexican, our, our haunt that we go to like, uh, every few months, like on a Sunday yeah. and we usually will do Sonic afterwards. And she was like, I, I can't do Sonic because her blood sugar was really bad. Yeah. So yeah. she is, she's responsible with it. Like most kids would still be like, no, I want that shake. Uh, yeah, exactly. I want that yeah. dessert. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she, she, I mean, she has her, her moments, but yeah, she's, she's been very good with, uh, taking shots. I have a fear of needles. Like I, I couldn't mm. even, I don't even have a tattoo because I just, but, uh, but man, from the time she was three, four or five years old, she would just dial up the dose and just, you know, stab herself with the hypodermic and plunge the, plunge the plunger. And I mean, she and she like those says, roller, and she says, those as roller I nurse my new piercing, she would make any, any heroin junkie would be proud to have her skills. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> and she, um, I, I learned this the other week. She's a big, uh, thrill. Like speaking of junkies, she's a big yeah. thrill seeker. Oh, cool. She likes oh, yeah. the roller coaster. She likes the um, bungee jumps. One of those, no, the bungee jump. She likes yeah. the thing where you sw- slide through a jungle. What are, the, what are those things called? <laughs> zipline. Zipline. Zip she does yeah. the zipline. We go zipline. I was right now. I had no idea what you were referring <laughs> yeah. to. There. They, do, they do ziplines and imes, but you zipline like you're basically on a ninja warriors. Yeah, you it, took me, it took me a second uh, to process that one. Once. <laughs> Through a jungle. Oh. I thought I defined it well. Um, yeah, she's a great kid, but they're both great kids. Baby Ninja is. Mm-hmm. I love Baby Ninja. No, to bring it back to, com- to to bring it back to yeah. comic books, I got I got two Daredevils. Is that a pun? You do have two Daredevils. Like, That's in, true. In, yeah. There you go. I I think you're going to have some great stories after your tr- uh, once you leave on your trip this week. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, I've never been to a beach. Me neither. This really? is my first my first time to a beach. Yep, never been to the beach. Um, Next time we go to South Carolina, we're dragging you with us. Okay, I guess that has to be remedied ASAP. (laughs) I, I, my worry is I go to the beach the first time ever, and then I get eaten by a shark. (laughs) No, you got to worry. I've seen Police Academy four. Tackleberry's not there. What's going to happen? Just make sure it's really clear water that we can see everything. So yeah, okay. (laughs) I just want to see those chicks. (laughs) Where's you? Where she'll have, where she'll have is uh, running into the uh, some of the hermit crabs that we ran into. But. Oh no, uh, hermit crabs and jellyfish. Oh, yeah. stay away from Myrtle Beach then. Jellyfish are, or or Beach is infested with jellyfish. Oh, have yeah. you been ever hung by one, Scott? Oh God, yes. Oh no, did somebody feed on you? Oh, it's 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 so bad at Myrtle Beach, at Myrtle Beach that they have like 
lifeguards stationed there that has all this stuff that you put on yourself when you get. Oh, I thought you were say the lifeguard comes <laughs> over and pees on you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's, it's rough. Have y'all yeah. seen Black Widow yet? Right. Uh, 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 the other two have homework. They have to watch it by August. Ah, yeah. okay. All right. Yeah. A, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but there's a, there's a great line in there from Red Guardian about uh about. Oh, he's about, so fantastic. You know what uh, I'm talking about about what his dad had to do, Ron. Yes, yes. The the story that really. <laughs> it's a weird story. It's a weird story, uh, but it's a great scene. Yeah, Dave Harbour does it, and it did well over the weekend. Yeah, I think eighty million dollars was something like that. Yeah, and uh, another sixty million from Disney Plus, which wow, the Disney Plus's model thirty bucks on top of your Disney Plus subscription, yeah, is ridiculous. It um, is, but we did it. Yeah, cough, yeah. pirate cough. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm not gonna lie. I've been I've been dying to see that movie ever since I saw David Harbor as um, Red Guardian. Red Guardian. Red Guardian. Yeah, because. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know who of you have, uh, have, have actually read the boys as the comic, but love sausage. Every time I see David, Hay, there's that big beard in that <laughs> outfit. I just scream, love sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, he getting kind of type, type, typecast? Isn't his character in stranger things stuck in Russia right now? Uh, Oh, Did he, I he think so. Like, at the end of the, the third season, it looks like he's abandoned Eleven, but he's like actually trapped in Russia on a chain gang. Yeah, something. Uh, I I'm not gonna be, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I haven't actually seen season three yet. I'm sorry, just spoil uh, it. Need to catch up. Oh no, I, I was I was that was spoiled early, so okay. I'm fine. But uh, I need to catch up on season three. I hope Scott's watched season three of Stranger Things because he. I'll stop talking to me if if no, I, spoil I, it. I think I think I I think I started it, but I don't know what happened. I never finished it. I don't know why. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I, I can't speak to you anymore now. Damn it! You know what? Sorry. We had a good run. We had, had a good had a good run, man. It's been what 15, 20 years. Guess I got to bring Bingy back. Yeah, I guess so. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Big Bingy Theory. You remember the good old days with movie-based video games? From The Addams Family, to Alexander, to Aliens vs. Predator, Back to the Future, Batman, Ballistic X vs. Sever... Wait, what? Yeah, there was a Game Boy Advance game based on Ballistic X vs. Sever with Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu considered to be one of the worst movies of all time huh the list goes on and on and i've had my fair share of playing a lot of these games too one of my personal favorites uh, i played a lot when i was a kid uh was uh the batman begins video game because <clears throat> i really liked the fact that they were trying to implement this whole little fear-based system around your enemies like when you actually do a sneak attack and everything you actually scare people around you if they're scared enough they start to look at you like you're like a like a boogeyman or something like i like stuff like that little details like that like uh, especially with the theme of the movie and the game itself it uh, it does work but there are definitely a lot of them that i regret to this day that i've actually played 
uh, and I've actually gotten almost all the achievements for it. Uh, basically, <laughs> it was when I had an Xbox 360 and uh, the movie Jumper, the video game Jumper, came out. Uh, you guys remember Jumper? That Hayden Christensen's movie where he was basically a nightcrawler where he can jump from place to place and he was being hunted down by Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, you guys remember that movie? Yeah. Anyway, they made a video game out of it, and it was based on one of the other characters, which I guess the, the this is based off a book or something. I have no idea. I uh, don't remember much about the movie itself, but I remember playing the video game because uh, you played as one of the side characters. I can't even remember his name at the top of my head. Griffin. Griffin. It was Jumper. It was the game, video game Jumper Griffin story. That's it. It had the, what I like to call the rise to honor effect, which was the, uh, basically you just, uh, you either flick the switch or press a button to hit the person that's below you or above you or to your left, to your right. It's, uh, yeah, and, uh, there's like a special cutscene if you got like a combo, right, to jump somebody to another plane of the world where you chain him to a rocket to get shot up into space or you get him like into a, a car crusher or he's going to be get slowly crushed and shit it's it was really brutal kind of stuff but over the course of time i think they started realizing that doing these movie-based video games was not a good idea because there was you know cheap cash in and not only that but some of these were not were not that good so when I had the opportunity to play the uh, both the latest Fast and Furious game and the latest Terminator video game, um, I thought it would be kind of a fun way to uh, kind of talk about both and uh, kind of make a two-parter out of this, because, you know, fuck it, why not? So welcome to this fun little two-parter I like to call The Return of the Movie Base Games. Ooh. Hey, Boston, you need to add a uh, lightning sound effect to this. Stay down! <laughs> the Fast and Furious movie series is is so goddamn stupid, but man, I love it. It's gotten so stupid every single movie, and it's gotten so over the top to top itself, and now they're probably going to be going into space in the next movie. It's just like, they just don't give a fuck anymore, but you know what? I'm all for it. Now, to my recollection, I don't remember playing a whole lot of Fast and Furious-based games. I don't think... I think there was a couple of them out there, but I don't really remember a whole lot. I do know that I played the uh, the arcade game that they had there for a while, which was kind of fun because it reminded me of playing, like, uh, one of those Rush uh, 2049 kind of uh, arcade games or, you know, uh, or uh, Daytona USA kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So when it was announced that uh, there was going to be a new Fast and Furious-based video game with Michelle Rodriguez and uh, Vin, Vin Diesel coming back, and also Tyrese, uh, like I was kind of like, okay, uh, sure. And the developers for the game are people that have done Need for Speed Shift and uh, Test Drive, which... I remember playing the first Test Drive on a PlayStation 2, and Need for Speed, I've... I'm behind on a lot of stuff. I do have, like, the current games right now, but uh, I haven't played them yet. But, uh, yeah, so at first I was kind of like, you know, this seems kind of like, of course, a cheap cash-in, of course. But at the same time, it was kind of embracing the overall, like, aesthetic of the Fast and Furious movies in and of itself because this was going to be a single-player-slash-multiplayer-based racing game uh, 
and like i said with the single player being more about the experience of you being in the fast and furious movie universe you're going to be experiencing over the top stuff and boy does this game go into some over the top shit <laughs> now this game goes makes you jump from character to character but there are two new characters i want to focus on the most of one being vienna cole that's being voiced by and i apologize ahead of time if i'm mispronounced this uh so new uh sonny kia martin green of the walking dead um yeah um, it's been a while since I've watched The Walking Dead. I can't remember what her character she's in, but uh, yeah, she's a new one. And also Cam Stone, who is voiced by Asia K. Dillon of Orange is the New Black. Uh, so uh, yeah, so you get to be, like I said, you go from character to character depending on what the story is. And Cam and Vienna are these two people who live in Havana, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, and uh, they go... They uh, they are trying to help out uh, Vienna's Vienna's boyfriend Sebastian Miro out of a uh, out of a little bit of a funk that he's in dealing with some bad people in order to be able to get this uh, this uh, car repair business going for these guys. But as you know, when it comes to these kind of movies, the bad guys start to catch up to him, and he's in trouble. Bang, bang, shoot, he did. Now Vienna Cole wants some revenge, and uh, Cam is going to help her out. And uh, it just so happens that she happens to know uh, Michelle Rodriguez. And would you know it, they just so happen to be free enough for them to be able to be like, you know what, we're going to help you out. We, I know that we, you and me have some history and everything, so uh, this is uh, we're going to help you out here and get you out of this funk. Now apparently, they say that this is this, this is going on around the same time as the uh, the movie uh, Hobbs and Shaw goes on, the, uh, the movie with Jason Statham and The Rock in it. So technically that makes this movie canon, which makes me think that if Vienna and Cole are going to be showing up and, uh, or Vienna and Cam, apologize, uh, apologies on that, if they're going to show up in the next movie or so. But yeah, basically you jump from Vienna to Cam and then you of course go from Michelle Rodriguez to Vin Diesel and uh, you just go around just uh, with these uh, and these outrageous things you either have to uh, pick up something uh, very fast or you have to actually go through a race or you can uh, basically uh, try to detach a uh, rocket from trying to explode in front of people but I'm getting ahead of myself here <laughs> so yeah right off the bat this game just kind of accepts the over-the-top things when it comes to the fast and furious uh, series and that to me is kind of fun and I, I i like the fact that even when you're trying to uh, be safe around the street and everything you can basically just hit anybody you want right in front of you and there's no cops coming after you none whatsoever and it just it kind of makes me think like you know oh man this is definitely the, the hot wheels universe this is definitely like like the 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 person that's making this thing i swear to god this goes into like some general hospital or dallas kind of twist where it was like it turns out this is all in dom's head and he's just like playing hot wheels as a little kid or something like that like it would not surprise me because man like it you feel like you're part of like this universe now where it's just like anything could happen and anything can happen so just the overall like over the topness Hollywood effect to this to this video game is makes it fun. But that being said, that being said, you still have to deal with some really, really bad 
driving controls. And I mean, these controls feel so damn stiff. They feel so, like, just not workable. And I know these guys, I know these developers are mostly known for driving and everything. So I guess I was expecting a little bit more. But again, with how chaotic the Fast and Furious series is in general, I get the fact that they want to make it as chaotic as possible. But when you're trying to make when you're trying to make like necessary turns especially to win a race um it kind of gets to a point where it, it, it's like you kind of just want the, the 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 turns and everything to you know feel a little bit more natural and not you know like you're trying so hard to be a stuntman and uh the and the video game stuntman and failing every time and feeling like you have to restart because you messed up that one turn you get what I mean? Not only that, but there are times you can actually like get lost in this game, like especially when you're trying to figure out like uh, like the certain spot that you're trying to find, like the small hole where you're trying to find like these people who can like transport like uh, like nuclear nuclear kind of based attacks or like weapons, whatever. <laughs> you said nuclear. It's nuclear, dummy. The S is silent. Through this, through this train that goes through a hole, like through this unknowable, like desert area. It's just, it's, it's so cheesy, but yet, like, it, it's so hard to find it because the, 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 uh, the HUD itself does not help the fact that it's like somewhere just random, and you have to drive everywhere, and you have to like not only like you have to try to not hit as many cars right in front of you especially during the sandstorm like they just put up a sandstorm in there because you know fast and furious why not <laughs> it just doesn't help it especially with like how you're trying to be able to navigate through all of this without getting your car too wrecked up you know what this game really needs to be like and they need to wait until like the last movie comes out because apparently they're only going to make like maybe like two more and then that's it but basically i want this game i want the next game to be through every single important part of the fast and furious like saga family like you know journey in general and do it in the vein of the video game split second oh my god that like can you imagine that like if you were put if you were to make a like a fast and furious meets split second video game oh my you would you like you take my money right now i would i would get it day one even if the even if the day one patch is shit even if it even if the game is shit i don't care i would get it just to be able to be like you know what fuck it because it's so stupid and it's fast and furious i like it so i mean okay if i have to be critical about it and to be fair it's like i think it should be it, it does share it does need its fair bit of criticism which i have done it's not perfect by any means the cross fast and furious crossroads is a fun little is a fun little game at times when it's not being too frustrating i did not play the multiplayer mode i didn't really care to be quite honest but I am, in some ways, am glad to see like what a lot of critics out there consider to be one of the worst video games of 2020 to come out. Or yeah, like it's 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 definitely deserving of that title for sure. But I can't say that I didn't have like a chuckle here and there just based on what I was doing. I mean, hell, they had the generic, uh, like they had the Russian bad guy uh, from. Um, from bad boys 2 and uh the beginning part of uh, john wick part 2 
uh he him show up in the in the in in the uh the in the game as the bad guy and i'm just like sure why not why not <laughs> oh yeah he was also the devil in constantine i forgot about that so yeah don't buy this game by any means rent it or you know just yeah but if you find a way to play it do it but don't go out and shill out your money for something like this well that about does it for part one so stay tuned for part two where uh yeah you know you know what time it is hey boston you need to put in the actual like sound effect dun 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 without copyright dun 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 I hope we don't get copyright strike for this. Until next time. This is Bingy. Keep on gaming. But uh, but no, Black Widow's good. I would say watch Captain America and Winter uh, Captain uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier before you watch Black Widow. Oh, yes. okay. Captain Falcon. It's weird though because originally Black Widow was going to come out before uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Before hmm. COVID. COVID. Oh yeah, for COVID, right? Yeah. And my girlfriend, Frances Poe, does a really good job as Black Widow's sister. You guys are getting married soon, right? <laughs> I need to. Hey, look here. She dates. She's dating Zach Braff in real life. Uh, so that shows right there. She's a, she's She likes older men. Say there you go. <laughs> Number two, I love her. Is Zach Braff that old? <laughs> Zach Braff has to be close to 50, I would imagine. He's oh, definitely uh, in the 40s because uh, what was Scrubs? That was like 20 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, Scrubs started like early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's definitely getting up there. I mean, he just kind of still has that kind of boyish look. He'll be like that. Sometimes happens. Like you can tell, like Jimmy Fallon's always looked young, but you can start yeah. telling Jimmy Fallon is starting to age a little bit. Yeah. Um, actually, well, I, uh, Zach Braff is six months uh, older than I am. I'll tell you what, man. We're we will hire that that Japanese mafia squad. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing: I know the name of my celebrity crush. Scott doesn't. <laughs> I know her first name. I, I can't pronounce her last name. <laughs> Did you watch uh, Werewolves Within yet? I haven't. I'm going to. Have you, have you watched her show yet? Uh, I haven't watched the show yet, but I did uh, see Werewolves so Within, and it's, it's her, super fun. Her last name, I, I, her name is Milana, uh, Milana, but I have no idea how to pronounce her last name. It's like Diana something. I, just, I can't pronounce her last name. Okay. Yes. So, well, at least my celebrity crush, you don't know. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, Tracy Lords. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your Tracy, Tracy Lords is cute though. My celebrity crush? Yeah. Uh I'd have to say from way back it'd be Jennifer Conley from The Rocketeer. Okay. okay. Oh, oh yeah. Especially yeah. the Rocketeer. I yeah. think I yeah. like is she the one that was in that movie where they get trapped in the uh Walmart type place? Opportunity they're, Opportunity they're, Knocks with Frank Whaley. And she does that sexy scene on the uh the Bronco, the mechanical, the, horse. the mechanical bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Jennifer Connelly, yeah. yeah, beautiful, beautiful woman. Um, but I mean, you know, then again, you know, I, I've always, uh, I've always been fond of Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Take it back to Black Widow. Uh, oh, even, 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 in, 
even in Ghost World, where she was supposed to be like a high school student, you know, it, it makes you feel like you're like, man, am I am yeah. I dirty, am I dirty old man now? Like, am I <laughs> that age <laughs> now? Or? Here's the interesting thing: Black Widow, uh, female uh, director, but that female director liked to get some of those ass shots. There's a there couple, a lot of ass shots of like just uh, just straight up ass shots of Scarlett Johansson in that movie. There are a couple, well, but in Russia, fair- that's Russia's ass. But in fairness, they do they do they do kind of goof on that a little bit in the movie. They do the the joke with the posing, which right. is amazing. Right. Um. But one thing we'll do now because we are a little over two hours. See, Bill, I knew you'd get us to two hours. I had a feeling. Um, we have, we have, uh, we have um, like our only reoccurring bit that we do on this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need music for this, by the way, Boston. You it's need to come up with a song for it's our uh, podcast pen pals. Uh, I will. I'll work on that. All right. So when we last left Podcast Pen Pals, Bill, um, my brother Will had invited Scott to his birthday party. Coming that was up the in third August. part of the show, Ryan. Yep. And um, Boston, <coughs> as I pointed out, was not invited. Oh, right. Jeez. And yes. I think Boston handled it well. He, he was did. brave. Yeah, he, was, okay. he was holding um, back tears and he held, he held it. He yeah. held his own. Yeah, he was brave. He was a brave right. boy. Yes. But we're going to start with some breaking news here Ooh. right up front. Okay. But my brother writes, for Boston, since you want to name sh- nerd shame me, I don't know how you nerd shamed him, but he thinks you did. Oh. He's officially yeah. and cordially inviting you to his birthday party. And oh. Now, I, I think the last episode, remind me if I'm wrong, but wasn't one of my questions to your brother for me to bring Boston as my plus one? You did ask that, but now Boston has invited himself, so your plus one is back open. And ladies, oh. do you hear that? Oh, ladies. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm not going to bring a plus one. Yeah, mm. you can bring that plus one. Well, you can bring Bill. I might um, just bring Bill. And uh, then he says, for Scott, well, I have not listened to the audiobooks, but please feel free to ask every few months, though. So I, I feel <laughs> that maybe you've asked him that before, and he's being yeah. an asshole. I think you might be. I, I can't imagine somebody related to you would be sarcastic. I, I can't believe it either. I don't know where he got Probably my mom. He's probably got it from my mom. Um, and he wants to know, are you ready to concede that he's the bigger Dark Towers fan? I, I, I am. All right. So is, it my first, is that the two questions? Or statement of the question? That's he wants to know. Or that's, I don't know what that would be considered. But I guess it's a question. He wants to know. <laughs> is he, do you finally admit defeat? I will never admit, admit defeat. Okay. <laughs> Uh, until we have a, uh, an official, uh, debate, uh, or not really a debate, but like a, like a game show trivia thing about dark, dark tower. And if he wins, then yes. And I will concede. Okay. That's what we're going to do. We're going to set this up. Maybe we'll record it yes. at the birthday party. I'll come up with some yes, questions. I like that's it. what we're going to yeah. do. Oh, Boston, Boston, you're going to produce and- the birthday party now. Yes, and I do have one question to ask your brother. Okay. Oh uh, please ask him if he's ever heard listened to the series on audiobooks before. <laughs> we'll answer that question. Okay. And his last thing he wanted to say was he loved the first book. How could anyone not? It's the one that started the whole journey. So, I, you know. I, I do have a, a legit response to that one. Uh, okay. I am with him there. I okay. absolutely love the first book as well. Uh, I, I, it definitely has a little bit of a different style. It was 20 years earlier. Uh, okay. but I absolutely still love the first book. Uh, you know, it, it, basically the first book has the opening line that I want tattooed on myself. Okay. 
Nice. And uh, yes. finally, he wants to know, can you guys do a Dark Tower podcast together? Uh, Austin, we, I think this is just you and him. If we don't, I will die yeah, still a sad, sad little man. <laughs> yeah, Scott, you're, Boston, you're still going to get roped into doing the producing. So oh, yeah, you're still going to be doing that for us, Boston. If all I got to do is just sit there and listen and then you know just cut it when it's done, yeah, I'm fine. Here's okay. how you guys should do your podcast. It should be yeah. every episode you discuss the movie. You bring oh, in a God. new guest each oh, week. Oh, 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 thank you for saying that. that's my final question for him. Has he okay. watched the movie? Because All right. I have refused to watch it at this point. That's the question, and we'll see what happens next time. I am going to be waiting. When's our follow-up going to be, our new, new podcast? I'm going to be waiting on pins and needles for the answer. Uh, he'll probably get it to us before we record the Liz, uh, Rowan, and Emily episode. Okay, so I'll have my answer then. Okay, this is exciting. And yes. uh, anything else? And then, um, man, hit that theme song. Let's go to something else, Boston. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'd say at this point... Um... Well, I well I do love I do love that we could probably talk with Bill for uh, hours more on end. Yeah, uh, okay, we, we may want to start heading towards our our recommendations. Yep. All right, so um, Bill, this is the part of the show where we give recommendations. It can be a TV show, movie, comic book, anything you want to recommend. Yeah, new, old, whatever it doesn't matter. Uh, do you have any recommendations for us? Hmm. Let me think. Um. So, uh, comic books, I'm going to recommend uh, Matt Wagner's Grendel. Uh, okay. It's kind of an older book, but uh, it's one that um, when a lot of people ask me, like, uh, what comic could I picture them turning into a movie or TV show that hasn't already been optioned? And that list is dwindling because, I mean, there's everything's been optioned now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but Grendel is one that comes to mind uh, by Matt Wagner, and it's basically if you took a, um, a Batman character and removed what little moral compass he did have mm-hmm. uh is kind of how is is kind of how this character hunter rose is but um and he heads up he heads up this crime family um so it, it's it kind of walks the line but so the character is very three-dimensional it's not so two-dimensional but um but uh uh tv shows uh i would like to recommend the season two of ted lasso coming up on apple Ooh, tv yes. yeah and um so bad. And movies, I just rewatched uh, Taiki Watiti's Jojo Rabbit again, which is a phenomenal film. Such a good movie. Uh, I hate to disappoint you, Bill, but you're only allowed to, to make one recommendation. Oh, shoot. Oh. I went overboard. Okay. No, no you keep going. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm you kidding. Keep going. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, Jojo Rabbit. Totally kidding. So those are my three recommendations. I'm going to go did with your kids uh, watch Jojo Rabbit with you. So Elizabeth did Coraline. I wanted to, okay. to watch it first. Cause I, you know, with the uh, world war two themes can be kind of heavy for kids, but, uh, yeah, yeah sure. Sure. But Elizabeth, uh, she, she loved it, you know, it's except for, of course, the, has everybody seen Jojo Rabbit? I have not yet. I, I need to catch up on it. So of course, you know, she, she doesn't like what happens to black widow, but Scott, remind me to put that on our movie list. Yes. Okay. I will. It's that scene that you're talking about. I think Bill yeah. was like, I that was the scene that made me cry. Oh, and the wow. final could... sequence was so good, it made me smile. So, right, it's so weird because the, the you think with the concept, how's it going to actually be anything? And it's an amazing, yeah, that's going on. I'm, I'm glad you recommended that. I'm glad you went over your time. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other recommendations, Bill? No, I'm I'm gonna cut it at three. Okay, nice. Three's good. Like uh, the three's rule good. of three with uh, Cor- there comedy. You go. Correct. Um, Scott. 
Uh, I'm probably going to recommend a game I've started playing recently. Uh, okay. It's not a new game. Uh, it's been out for a while, but it, it, they put it on Game Pass. Uh, it's Conan Exiles. Okay. I love it. Uh, it 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 can be it's it can be a little overwhelming though because it's so in depth. Uh, okay. so it's, it's, a, it's a giant open world game, uh, and you can you know you craft all, all, everything, resource gathering, but you're also playing a badass warrior type character who actually you don't play as Conan. You actually get rescued. It's very early in the game. You get rescued by Conan. Uh, okay. so I don't know if you meet him later on the game or not. I'm still pretty early on into it. Uh, but so you don't get to be as Co- you don't even get to play as Conan. You don't play as Conan. Well, no, exactly. it's an MMO. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, oh, you're, this is that MMO they did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's weird though because you can play it single player. Uh, so I'm I'm actually playing when you start the game. You have the option to do multiplayer or if you want to play through it just by yourself. And I'm just doing the single player mode right now. So I don't know exactly how this, the multiplayer works because I haven't tried okay. it. But but I know it, it is it is there. Um, but yeah, I'm having a blast with it so far and I'm, I'm very early on to the game, but it is only, only, only downside I would say to it is if you get overwhelmed easily, uh, with Mm -hmm. lots of options and things to do that you could very definitely get overwhelmed with the game. Does it seem like it has a good, uh, user base? Uh, it's, I don't know because I I haven't tried like, like user base, meaning like the user following people are still playing in it. It's MMO. So I thought like, is there a lot of people online with you or I don't know because I'm not playing online. Okay. Uh, so like I, I haven't even tried that option, so I don't know. Okay. Uh, now you, you haven't mentioned the best part about Conan Exiles. Oh, tell me, what is it? I, I figured, I figured you knew the best part was the the dong slider. I don't <laughs> what? I don't know that I've even gotten that far. Oh, that sounds like a Kratos character thing. No, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's part of the Kratos character. Oh, uh, yeah, the dong I slider. I, you, I you can decide. I don't think I even did that. You didn't. You didn't decide what your how big your penis was going to be. I don't, I don't. I don't believe I did, dude. You could have been <laughs> running around with like a monster. What the hell? Yeah, that was the, that was the big. Do I have to restart my character? I would say you have to. I don't know how I can't. When, when Exiles first dropped on PC, that was the or was an early access. Uh, that was the biggest joke running around. It was just like, <laughs> well, how big can how big's your dick? That's amazing. Or if you were playing a female character, how big were your tits? That's that's phenomenal. Uh, so now you got now you have to now you're at a crossroads. I know. Austin's recommending the dong slider. Do I do I continue my average dong self, or do I re-roll my character and, and be- let let Bill make this decision for you? <laughs> right. I mean, we rolling D twenty. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, man, that is. Huh. You know what? Th- thank thank you, Bill. I'm going to change my recommendation because oh. uh, you, you reminded me about that. Yeah. Uh, so, are you, are you, were you done, Scott? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I do highly recommend the game, except if you get overwhelmed with, like, you know, Elder Scrolls type things or, or games that you have, you have so much going on. You know, it could be overwhelming. But other than that, it's, it's, it's an absolute blast. Um, so... The newest Magic the Gathering set is live on Arena and uh, MTG Online. Now, it's supposed to be coming to cards next week. Paper Papers supposed to come out next week. But okay. it is Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. All right. And they have finally done it. It's a D&D they, based being, magic set. Yep, it is a D&D based Magic the Gathering set. That's cool. And we've, it's one of those things that everybody's been like, why don't you? I mean, Wizards of the Coast owns both properties. Why haven't you done this? And so they finally did it. And I'm not gonna lie, 
the flavor of it is amazing. I am now I'm getting my ass kicked because I don't have the money to get a whole bunch of cards, but some of the flavor is just really cool. And I don't know about you, but actually getting to roll a D20 in magic is weird, <laughs> but I love it. Uh, like there, it, it, it's kind of weird because it almost feels like Hearthstone a little bit where there's a, there's RNG elements to it. So it's like, right. All right roll a, you know, I cast a spell, roll a D20. If it's one through nine, I bounce the creature back to your hand. If it's 10 through 19, it goes on top of your library. If it's 20, I control it. <laughs> so just like yeah. if you crit on shit, you can, it does some stupid things. It's so yeah. weird, but I love it. Nice. Also, That's you can, uh, yeah, there's a also a new mechanic called venturing into the dungeon where you can choose a dun, uh, you can choose a dungeon and like, traverse it separate from the regular match uh, hmm. as you as cards allow you to venture into the dungeon uh, and then some cards like get bonuses if you've completed one or allow you to like you know move twice it's uh, it's so weird sounds cool as hell though that mm-hmm. sounds awesome I'm sure some 12 year old magic player will find a way to abuse the mechanic don't worry <laughs> oh I'm already uh, I'm already trying to build I need I need the the resources to do it but I'm trying to build one right now that abuses uh, one of the, it's uh, the, the character is the final boss of uh, Tomb of Annihilation and uh, the actually like the old fashioned the old module mm-hmm. and he's a five five for three. But when you play wow. him, it's like, have you completed that specific dungeon yet? No. Okay, venture into the dungeon and put him back in your hand. Well, okay. So. And then there's a bunch of creatures that are there, there's some creatures that are like, hey, whenever a dude comes into play under your control, deal damage equal to its power to your opponent. So it lets me just go, all right, I play him, deal five. Oh, he's got to go back to my hand. Pay three, deal five. Got to go back to my hand. Pay three, deal five. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all, all you have to do is like, you know, it says venture into the venture into the dungeon. It's like, okay, I go to I go to the Lost Minds of Fand- uh I go to the Lost Minds of Fandelver. But don't you have to complete? Yeah, but I'm going to do this one instead. So it keeps coming right. back to my hand. Huh. I just do you five. <laughs> yeah, I just lightning. I just lightning axe people to death. It's going to be great. Not, not quite huh. broke. Not quite broken, but there is potential for abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Probably they'll fix it. It's hard to go. It's hard to go infinite. Uh, like they, they're a little better about going infinite these days. Oh yeah, okay. I, I mean, I, when I was playing, we would. Uh, you get first turn kills with Talarian Academy decks, and you would just uh, yes. you would generate a uh, hundred blue mana, and then stroke a genius somebody for seventy two cards, and uh, wipe out yep. the library on the first turn. And they would just sit there and watch you, and it was it was the most boring way to play Magic because you watch somebody <laughs> basically take their one turn, and then you scoop your cards. Yeah, actually, I'm I'm running a deck right now that's similar to that. It uh, it's it's mono black, and it plays a card that. Whenever you draw a card, take one damage, mm-hmm. and then I just kind of hold off, stay, stall, 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 until I can cast another card that goes, you draw half your library, round it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, all right, take 30, you know, take, take 20, 20, 30 damage. Is that, is that enough to kill you? Cool. No, it's a great game. Great game, great game. Just <laughs> You still sell the cards and stuff at your store, Bill? 
So I I quit selling uh, singles and um and then I quit selling packs maybe like a year or two ago. Uh, okay. And just because um you know the uh the market for me had pretty much shifted to a lot of uh, online, and okay. a lot of the players that I had uh, here back in the day had gotten into uh, Texas Seven Card Hold'em when poker got real big. Okay. Yeah. So I use a lot of the same. So um. Richard Garfield, the creator of Magic the Gathering, has a uh, PhD in combinatorial mathematics. So a lot of the mm. same skills that you use in Magic are applicable in games like uh, poker and gin rummy. So a lot of the players that are very good in Magic will be very good at, in poker and, and gin rummy and games like that. Oh, yes. So probably means Scott is probably amazing at Magic. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is weird, too, because I, I, I wish I was better at poker. Like, I... I, I understand like some of the basics with Texas Hold'em, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm still I'm still so bad at counting cards. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of the same, you know, with the Magic deck. You know how you can only have four of a certain card in there, mm-hmm. um, but you can kind of figure if you haven't drawn to that card yet, and you've got 32 cards left in your library, you can figure out what the percentage is of you top decking that yeah. that Wrath of God or top decking whatever the card you oh, need. Yeah, I do that. I do that math all the time. Right. Being like, all right, I got to And that's usually what I'm like, all right, I got a one in ten chance of drawing this, but I'll yes. drop by this turn or next turn. I got four I turns well to live. I got three turns to live, or however many. You know, is there a way I can draw an extra yep. card? Uh, so I mean, but but long story short, a lot of our uh, our magic base uh, uh, moved on to grew up. Yeah, kinda, <laughs> kinda. Well, now there was a there was a big push for that at one point too when when text when the poker tournaments were being televised and such, there was actually a big push of pro magic players that yeah. jumped ship and went to the tournaments. Uh, only a handful of them actually made it to like the last rounds, but right. there was a bunch of them that were like, Oh, I it's every, it's all the skills that I normally do with magic. Only there's 52 cards. We all share instead of a hundred thousand cards. We each build a 60 card deck from mm-hmm. I'm on, mm-hmm. I'm on. Yeah, no, and it's a uh, and just to uh, circle back to comic book stores, it's weird because in comic book stores there's a there's certain there's a certain hierarchy of customers. It's just kind of weird. So, <laughs> like you, uh, so the comic book fans look down on the magic players, mm-hmm. and the Marvel Legends collectors look down on the Hot Wheels collectors. And the and it's and it, and it, and it, it's weird. It's almost like a John High School, to where you have these uh, subgenres in in fandom or geekdom or whatever you want to call it. And there's a hierarchy to this, these subgenres. Same way you have jocks and and uh, uh, the nerds and the band and the uh, in comics. It's weird. There's always been kind of this weird thing between uh, magic players and comic book collectors about who is higher on the the nerd hierarchy. That's what the unfortunate thing is. They don't come together, but they don't come they, together. They pick on the people that are under them <laughs> class wise. It's so it's so weird. It's um, so weird. Hashtag Jake Hendrick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, is that uh, so? That's your recommendation, Boston. That's my recommendation. Okay. Uh, uh, so go ahead. I was just gonna say. So I guess we need. Uh, let's go ahead and move yep. on to that last. Yeah, that's gonna be my recommendation. Okay. So my recommendation is a friend of ours, like Scott and I. I don't know if Boston's ever met her. Um, I don't think so. 
it's kind of funny that uh, Scott mentioned Lane earlier because uh, the time I think Scott came in there when Lane was there, we couldn't stay and talk and see the board do much because we were going to uh, our friend Alex and Jonathan's wedding. Oh, that's um, right. That was that day. Yeah. It was that day. Um, but Alex is somebody that I used to work with when I worked at IFB. Um, she's got this uh, awesome wiener dog named uh, Vienna who is like the most precious dog. And every time that dog's around me, it makes sure my nostrils are super clean. So, oh, you know, I, I yeah, love it. Um, every single time. Like she's yeah. all about his nose. Hmm. Yeah. She's awesome. Uh, Alex, however, does not lick my nostrils, which is probably a good thing, I guess. Cause that would probably hurt their marriage. Yeah. She's um, married, you know, probably yeah. kind of um, but uh, they moved um, to Nashville a few years ago, but we stayed in touch through Facebook and work. And then they moved to Chicago. We stayed in touch with them. Um, Alex is one of the most empathetic mm -hmm. uh, people I know. Uh, she has in her mind her moral set and what she believes is right and wrong. And she fights fiercely for the people that she believes is right and against the people that she feels are wrong. Um, her mother passed away about seven or eight years ago of uh, – of cancer and um mm. last friday morning she uh had the, got the bad diagnosis that she does have breast cancer uh thankfully it's grade zero and they said the grade describes the type of cancer cells and zero is the most treatable type um so she's going to be getting with um her uh oncologist that will determine that part uh, about what they need to do as far as like the spread and what the treatment's going to be very soon um, so she started a, uh, a GoFundMe because, you know, our medical system is kind of, the bill has a type one diabetic child. So he probably understands how bad the, uh, health system can be with the bills. Right. Yeah. Um, her sister started a GoFundMe for it. We're going to have the link in the show notes and we'll probably, um, share the link to on the, um, on our, uh, on our Facebook page. Um, if you can donate, that's what I recommend you doing. If you can't donate, at least, um, you know, share the link. Um, yeah. We're trying to get it in front of as many people as we got. She's she's waged, raised a decent amount of money, but, you know, those bills are going to keep coming in. Thankfully, she has good insurance that's going to help with that. But anything we can do to kind of um, alleviate some of this, um, this stress and this uh, burden she's feeling right now, I think would be a good thing. Yeah, and if you if you want to ever feel, feel good about helping someone amazing, like she, she is one of the best people I know. Like she would do anything in the world for you. Uh, I, I I just can't stress that enough how how just a great person she is, and it's 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 just it's an unfair, cruel world where all the the worst things happen to the best people. Um, but yeah, if you want to feel good about helping somebody amazing, that, that this will be a great opportunity. Yep. And uh, I know that's a weird place to end the end the episode. As a perfect um, place to end the episode. Oh, thank you. Taking care of your friends. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we love you, Alex. Love you, Alex. And, and Jonathan's awesome, too. I was thinking we oh, should yeah. bring him on one, sooner or later because he would be really cool to talk about music. I mean, I could yeah. ask him what his favorite Hooting the Blowfish album is. He can look at me with disdain. It'll be amazing. Uh, music and uh, and wrestling. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a big wrestling fan, too. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. We got a whole podcast with him. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, Bill, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, uh, thanks, thanks for having me, guys. I had a blast. Yeah. It was and, a uh, you know, yeah. And I guess uh, I think I guess uh, tomorrow night it's going to be a busy night for you. Um, I looked at my list of comics coming out <laughs> Wednesday and it's stupid. how bad is it? Is it really bad? 
Oh, it's not as bad as the following week. Okay. The following week, I'm like, why do why does it have to be a golden age of comics again? It's like one of those <laughs> things where I'm like, I'm like, thank God I have a credit going right now because I was going to have to take out a loan. I have to take out a loan to get this. Uh, there's a new Moon Knight book coming out, I guess. Yeah, the Moon Knight looks awesome. Yeah, I still, Knight- some, uh, I still have to get the uh, Dark Tower uh, comics from you, Bill. I still need to do that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably have the majority of them in store, so just let me know. Oh good, okay. I want to come do it. You and you and uh, Will can go together. That could be your first like friend date. That's true. Um, there's also a Blue and Gold number one that makes me super excited. Because blue, yeah. blue, blue beetle and booster on, gold, uh, booster gold are my favorites. But and um, it's uh, Ted Cord, right? It's a uh, it's Ted Cord oh, yeah, beetle, yeah. right? It's not Hondreas. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, so real quick, uh, I don't know. I think we mentioned this. The comic yeah. store is Comics Exchange. Uh, what's the address? It's a uh, thirty-seven eleven Chapman Highway, uh, about a mile south of downtown Knoxville. All right, and if you're if they're not local, they can still call you, and you can ship around the country, right? Absolutely. Around the world, where you where you ship around the world, except around for uh, world, except for South world, America world, and uh, Eastern Europe. What's okay. the phone number to your store, Bill? And they know, and they know what they did. Yeah, what's the phone number? It's eight six five five seven three twenty two eighty, and we're open seven days a week. Nice. And if yeah. you go on uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, you're you probably going to see, birds. see birds. Correct. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Yep, working the weekends for the birds. So. <laughs> um, all right, uh, Boston. I'm just gonna keep talking if you don't end it. Yeah, <laughs> let's go ahead. And, uh, beautiful people of the internet, thank you all so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, once again, thank you so much, Bill, for coming out and saying hi. And we will see you all in the next one. Good night. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Come on, me, y'all.